sink. As of this recording, I am currently done with one of three finals I have for school this semester. Cool. Uh, Which final do you? Uh, chemistry. General chemistry. Oh. Yeah. Mm. It was a class I should have <laughs> taken three, four, four years ago. But well, chemistry is chemistry is the class that like science majors hate because it's all math. Well, here's the thing: is I'm a math major, and and let me tell you, I hate it because it's math makes no goddamn sense. <laughs> okay, it's been like it's been so long since we've recorded uh, a real episode, and yeah. also I'm also tired, so we're we're probably going to be a little bit punchy tonight. I feel like we can work ourselves into a frenzy, though, with with these two movies. Apparently, so preview for the listeners, apparently Andy and I fall on in two completely different camps as to which one of these two movies that we're going to be talking about is the better movie. And, And I don't know about you, but for me, it wasn't even close. Ah, damn. You know what? For me, it also wasn't even close. Mm. we'll talk about it we'll talk um, about it i honestly honestly i think that my opinions are uh well thought out and based on on decent reasoning and and movie making and i'm sure yours are too so we'll actually probably be pretty civil but we'll hopefully see This is the moment Jim Hawkins had always dreamed of. This appears to be some kind of map. Now, he's determined to go for it. Wow, treasure planet. Robert Louis Stevenson's greatest adventure, Treasure Island, as it has never been seen before. All hands to station! Walt Disney Pictures presents Treasure Planet. How cool is this? What are you looking at, weirdo? Yeah, weirdo. Brace yourself. Oh, what a pleasure to meet you, Jimmy. It's Jim. And you are? I want to say Larry. He may be on a quest for gold. But he better watch out for silver. Change in plan! This isn't over yet. Sometimes, courage can be the greatest treasure of all. You think a pup like you can take on the likes of me? Watch me. Treasure Planet. Captain Flint? In the flesh! Except for skin, organs, or anything that resembles flesh. Welcome to direct video. Welcome. <laughs> hey, I shouldn't welcome. do that while clapping my hands. Yeah, definitely. That's going to be fun to edit. Thank you for yeah, that. Yeah, it's going to be some great audio. Yeah, welcome well- to direct to video episode whatever number we're on now. Episode uh, fix it in post. <laughs> <laughs> episode insert number here. Yeah, where where we uh, where we usually talk about uh, direct to video sequels of famous movies, but. but- but today we're doing something a little more fun, a little more festive. We're going to be talking about... Uh, festive how? Uh, 
Well, I had a fun time watching both movies. Is is festive not? I I I was pretty sure festive was only a word that you use about holidays. It's like what? So so I have a question for you. Which one do you want to yeah. talk about first? Because I watched Treasure Planet first, but I'm pretty sure Muppet Treasure Island came out. Muppet first. Treasure Island came out first. Yeah, Muppet Treasure Island came out first chronologically, but I also watched Treasure Planet first. So you want to open with Treasure Planet, work backwards? I th- yeah, let's let's open with Treasure Planet. Okay, because that's how my notes are Treasure Island. So. Yeah, it's the same. We'll start with Treasure Planet, move into Treasure Muppet Treasure Island, and then we'll start talking about like uh, pros and cons. And I have yeah. I have notes. I took notes this time. I this is very I, exciting I for sources. me. Usually, I'm the only one with notes. Now, here's the thing: my notes are always only my own opinions, so I don't have <laughs> sources. <laughs> Well, the reason I have sources is because I wanted to, I want to touch on on a topic that we've been kind of skirting around, but we've never actually formally talked about. And I feel like either this or Sleeping Beauty would have been the perfect time to talk about it. Okay. Um, so the topic is not uh, for the people at home, uh, Native American relations, because we have talked about that mm, one actually oh, quite and, a lot. And on guess this what? Podcast. We're going to talk about it. Guess what? We're going to talk about it again today. They were not Native American. They were mm, but pastiches. Yeah, they were like you know. I'm they just, were like movie I'm just cannibals. Okay, we'll get to it when pigs. we get to it. So it's like I we'll I was able to when we get to it. I did find that problematic, but I was able to forgive that a lot more because it felt like it was playing off of the trope instead of falling into it. But you know mm. what? Yeah, why don't we start? So um, let's why don't start with we begin planet. at the beginning? At yes. <laughs> Where all stories begin. So, um, the movie opens with a with a big. Whoa, whoa, wait, 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 wait! Let me. I gotta do my thing. Oh, you're right. I apologize. You gotta let it's me do my so thing. It's been so long, Andy. It's been. You're right. I can't blame you for this one. So, uh, Treasure Planet uh, is a Disney animated feature. It came out in 2002. As of 2011, it is still considered Disney's biggest financial loss. Um, really? It had an estimated yes. It had an estimated budget of 140 million dollars to make. And do you want to guess how much it made on its opening weekend? Gosh, I'm gonna guess less than a hundred million. Maybe how fifty. Much? No, that might be too say low. That again? I was gonna say fifty, but then I thought, no, that's too low, right? That's that's like a third of what. Nope, they that's too high. Are you kidding? Fuck. <laughs> What the hell came out at the same time? This movie, this movie made less than ten percent of its budget back. It made twelve million dollars on its opening weekend. Twelve? That is if, absurd. If you know anything about movies, usually if a movie does not make half of its budget back on opening weekend, it is beyond saving. Very few, like very few movies, don't make half of their budget opening weekend or all of their budget opening weekend and succeed afterwards like the one only one i can think of off the top of my head is uh firefly which did so well on dvd or sorry sorry serenity because um yeah there's always like people buying tickets for it at comic con and then buying more copies and stuff like that yeah here's the most depressing thing is that it's total gross to date is only 38 million dollars Wow, that yeah, is this movie so was, bad. 
this movie is like oof. Which which I don't think I don't think this movie deserves like of all the Disney movies, like Home on the Range did better than this movie, and that pisses me off. I was going to say, I did not like this movie, but it was not that bad a movie. Yeah, I feel I just feel like it, it came out at a really bad time. Like this is in the middle of Disney's kind of faltering uh in their history this is when uh, the cracks started to show between co- the disney corporate management and disney animation studios they were running I into think a lot of trouble mm-hmm. i think as far as sales go this one would be the one people point to as faltering except maybe hercules did hercules do well hercules did well if okay. i remember correctly but we'll we'll talk about that hopefully when we get to it do you know what this is um is that the vhs huh is that the VHS? Yeah, in fact, you know what? Why don't we do a so special about. feature? This is me opening the package that came in the mail. Oh, damn. This is good audio. Oh, yeah. Everybody can appreciate this. It's in a... It sounds like, you know those old, it sounds like a robot chewing on a cavity. You know those old bubble tape containers? Bubble tape. Yeah. That's not quite it. The the like, But the white containers that are... Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. 70 minutes this movie is. Really? That's I bought it I bought it online mm. at a Goodwill. Somebody it appears has stopped watching it halfway through before they sold it at Goodwill. So that's not a great <laughs> sign. That's, that's not a great sign. So, yeah. um, okay. A couple Sorry. things I want to uh one one thing I want to talk about though about this movie is it has a very interesting history because uh, this film was pitched to Disney by its uh, executive producers and director, John Musker and Ron Clements, uh, okay. I think three different times. So in 1985, during production on The Black Cauldron, they pitched it and ended up being assigned to direct The Great Mouse Detective instead. Okay. See, the the thing is, though, that The Great, Great Mouse Detective turned out to be a pretty good movie. It did. Uh, after directing The Little Mermaid, they tried again, and then they were ended up. They ended up uh, directing Aladdin instead. Again, also a good movie. Although good movie, right? I sort of wonder, I sort of wonder how they managed to make it if they don't have enough clout after The Little Mermaid. So here's the thing: is after Aladdin, the stu- uh, Disney wanted them to direct Hercules, and Musker and Clements agreed to direct it. Only if they were allowed to make Treasure Planet. So so they have been thinking about this movie at this point for almost uh, 12 years. And it wouldn't come out for another seven. So by the time this movie came out, it was about 20 years old already. Yeah, 20 years in the pot. Like, just them thinking about it. And... Uh, some other things uh, is that this movie has quite a... Like, it, it doesn't... There's no Tim Curry in this movie, I'll admit, but it does have uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt mm-hmm. as the lead character. Uh, this was way before Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah, was, he you know, wasn't GGL. that big a deal at the time. Back, yeah, back back then we referred to him by his full name, not by syllables or we letters. Uh, ben was voiced by a famous comedian, Martin Short. Um, I think he was the he was the second most notable voice actor in this film. Right behind Emma Thompson, who you might remember as the voice of Mrs. Potts in the live-action Beauty and the Beast adaptation. Is Emma Thompson the mom? No, she's Captain Amelia. Oh. 
I guess yep. I so associate that voice with a cat lady that I there's also there's also Dog Fraser. That's who I that's who I refer. Yeah. Yes. That's how I'm referring to that uh, <laughs> scientist dude, Dog Fraser. Doppler, I think. Doppler, mm-hmm. right? Because the Doppler effect. Doctor Doppler. Dog Fraser. Who has one? Of, who has some of the best lines in this movie? Here's the thing. I thought that too, but then I thought maybe. I couldn't actually remember the lines after I heard them, so I thought maybe they're not actually very good lines, but the whole point of them is to like hin- is that they hinge on this dry humor. Yeah. That he has been able to pull off for uh, like how long has Frasier and Cheers been on TV? <laughs> like uh, for 20 years. Forever. Yeah. So yeah. I think he's just like basically the per- perfect person to deliver those lines. Like yeah, this movie had a pretty great cast for its mm-hmm. time. Like like all of like all three. I think with the exception of Martin Short, like Emma Thompson and Joseph Gordon Levitt go on to like both win Academy Awards and stuff for amazing acting. Um, Emma Thompson, by the way, was pregnant when she was recording her voice lines for this movie. And the reason that I bring that up is because she only accepted the role because she wanted to do an action film, but she couldn't <laughs> because she was pregnant. She's pregnant. That's awesome. So, so this was her kind of getting to do that. Um, so let's talk about let's talk about Treasure Planet. You wanted to talk about the opening scene? Yeah. Okay. So the opening scene had kind of my least favorite. Kind of it kind of sums up what I dislike about this movie, which is this: in the opening scene, we get a lot of background about this sci-fi world. And literally none of it, except the fact that it's the ocean in space, ever comes up again. The fact that Captain Flynn steals steals this kind of, like, energy cell that's really valuable, they throw that in, but then when we get to Treasure Planet, it's all just gold. And so we get all this, we get all this sci-fi stuff that makes me, th- and when you said they were working on it for 20 years, or they were thinking about it for 20 years, kind of makes me think that it, it was a bigger thing in their heads. And then when they made it, they just had all this sort lore, of like world building stuff. Yeah, all the lore stuff that just hinders it. But it's a cool scene where some ships shoot each other, and then it turns out it's a kid reading a book about ships shooting each other. Also, the book's a hologram. The book is a hologram, which I thought was cool when I was a kid. It the it was the it, I probably w- would have also thought it was cool when I was a kid, but looking at it, I was thinking this is the worst way to distribute holograms. Why do I want paper on my holograms? This doesn't make sense. <laughs> I had a problem with the book as a hologram. Okay, I understand and. It's it's the little things. I I will mention though that like 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 just like the visual of just like uh space, but but you have it. It I, is it is it is, it is a very beautiful, beautiful depiction. Yeah, it is a beautiful depiction of space. One of the most beautiful depictions of space I've seen in an animated movie. And I'll say this too: I can actually forgive a lot of a movie that just straight up says, "Yeah, space." It's just the ocean, but space. Because that's just fun. I mean, it's stupid so as fun. hell, but it's a lot of fun. Well, and that's the thing. Like, like they put so much time into this, like, idea. Like, what would it be like if space was filled with atmosphere? 
like you could breathe in it and like like that's such a cool idea to me that i've been thinking about that idea ever since i watched this movie when i was a kid like like i can't let go of that idea because it it makes space infinitely more tangible without sacrificing how big it is yeah but one of the things i mean that was actually one of my problems watching the movie the more i watched it the more i thought if this wasn't treasure island i would probably really like it because they wouldn't be forced to keep it in the plot of treasure island they could go do something else in space i don't know that might be just me yeah no i i kind of agree with you i feel like the best parts of this movie are the parts where they kind of go very very off script of the original treasure island so uh we learn that uh jim who after reading this book he's he's become a, a very a very edgy teenager oh wait a second also he's fucking he's maximum edgelord it's ridiculous it's but, the um, best but uh i wanted to point this out because i saw it and i was kind of that stupid kind of excited when you see something like this uh as a kid he has a stitch toy and then one of the aliens in the diner is, I think, supposed to be a reference to one of the aliens in Stitch. Uh, I think so. I just thought that was fun. These movies must have come out about the same time. And uh, Lilo yeah, and Stitch about. was I a think lot Lilo more popular. Stitch... Like, a lot. I think Lilo and Stitch was is kind of considered, like, the last really great... They actually came out in the same year. Holy shit. Like, exact, like they came out the exact same year. Holy shit. Like, that's insane to me. Well, Disney must have known that this movie was gonna flop i don't I think mean, they could have i don't um, i don't know maybe i mean maybe it flopped because it didn't put any advertising into it i remember there being a hell of a lot of advertising for this movie really i only remember all yes. of the advertising for stitch <laughs> i remember all of the advertising for well lulu and stitch came out in june which is the beginning of summer and treasure mm-hmm. planet came out in november so i feel like treasure planet was supposed to be their like winter yeah the christmas one I was gonna okay. I I was going to agree with you because you you sort of threw it out there. I think Stitch. I think Lilo and Stitch is supposed to be considered the last um, great classically animated Disney movie uh, for a while, anyway. Um, yeah. Well, I don't know. Um, I'd have to look at the list. Yeah. To be sure. You know what? Yeah, we could go into this, but it's probably not important right now. <laughs> so, quick quick correction, just because I was skimming. I'm skimming through the Wikipedia page while I do this, and I have to really quickly correct myself here. Uh, so it earned 38 million in the U.S. alone, and Canada. Oh, okay. So world worldwide, however, the whole world, it still didn't make its budget back. Just shy, it hit 110 million dollars. Oof, which, which is insane to me. That that is this that movie is did that bad. That is crazy for a Disney movie. That's crazy for a Disney movie in the early 2000s too. God, I know. Like this is just like. What what flops do they have? Like I think this is the big one. This is the one that people talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you talked about the Black Cauldron. I don't think anybody saw that, but I don't know if it was that if it was at the, I don't on think, the same level. Yeah, but that's the thing is like even the Black Cauldron and Sleeping Beauty, like they're considered like, like and, and and to an extent, I think Treasure Island, Treasure Planet is as well. Like they're considered like beautiful crafts of of animation. Mm-hmm. But they're not. But they didn't do like this badly. Like they made their budget back eventually, I believe. At least I know. I think Sleeping Beauty definitely made its budget back. Sleeping eventually. Beauty must have oh. the amount of re-releases and all that junk that they've done with that. Yeah, must have. Disney doesn't even talk about the Black Cauldron. 
No, they don't. They really don't. They they also really don't talk about uh, Treasure Planet or kind of this era of movie, I don't think, if they don't have to. <laughs> nope. There's no... Again, except for Stitch. There's not yeah. really a... Uh, you'll never see a ride based on any of this. Even though, if there was a Treasure Planet ride, even though I did not like the movie, the ride would probably be pretty dope. Like, just visually, that would be amazing. But yeah, so we get... Um, God, what's his name? I yeah, haven't... so 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 Jim, uh, Jim has grown up to be uh, kind of a kind of a troublemaker, an edgy teen lord troublemaker. Mm-hmm. And uh, his mom and their friend well, Doctor. I I, kinda... I I I I hate to yes. interrupt you. No, go but I do it all the time. Mm-hmm. So, um, so there's the scene where he is. I don't know what you call it what's he call it sailboarding or something yeah basically he has it's 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 like surfing sky surfing sure something he's got a surfboard and it's got a sail on it and the sail makes the surfboard fly and that's pretty cool and super dangerous in fact i actually have written down that i cannot imagine a more dangerous hobby than whatever that is (laughs) But, but the point i wanted to make is is what i noticed is um i don't know if you know this but there is a cut scene from a new hope that is exactly like that scene. Because what it's really? supposed to do is it's supposed to establish early in the movie that Luke can make the run on the Death Star. So it's him driving down this crazy canyon on Tatooine. And they cut it out because it, it kind of didn't fit with the... Um, they cut it out for pacing. Yeah. It, 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 screwed up the, it screwed up the whole pacing. I only know about it because I listened to the... Um, radio show version and they had it in there so i thought that was interesting i don't know if they meant to like make it a weird star wars send up or if they just thought that having him do this uh sky surfboarding thing was pretty cool i think i think they just wanted to show like this was his hobby this is the thing that he enjoys is like cruising yeah well, he made that um, yeah, sail it, it, thing, I guess. Yeah, he made So it. he's, this is how you show he's clever, but troubled. Yeah, exactly. Troubled, that's a good word. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he he gets caught, he gets caught in by the fuzz and they bring him back and they mention that he's on parole, that he's breaking parole. Yeah, and they're like super catty about it. Oh, they're so, the, this movie has a lot of dry humor. Yeah, like these robots are absolute bitches. They're like, "Oh, he's going nowhere, ma'am. We deal with it all the time." They God they damn. sound very much like like an aunt at Thanksgiving who doesn't stop talking shit. They're robot <laughs> yes. cops. Yeah, that's exactly it, and it's it's absurd and kind of brilliant. So, um, he Jim kind of starts helping his mom around the the inn that she owns, and uh kind of talking with Dr. Dr. Doppler, who's kind of this dog-like alien. Uh, she kind of mentions... Fraser like, Dog oh. is his name. Yes, Fraser Dog. Because that's not going to get confusing for me. Thank you. Um, <laughs> they, 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 they have this discussion of, like, of how... Like, like, she really believes that Jim could be this great thing, but, but she can't really talk to him. Uh, this is... And this is setting up kind of this... Uh, 
this idea that Jim Jim needs some sort of role model in his life that his mom, for some reason, can't provide him. Right. Here's the thing that's kind of... I don't say this... I'm not going to say this is a bad thing, but it's kind of interesting yeah. how much Dr. Doppler, 100%, is not fitting into that role. He's yes. Appar- he apparently hangs out there all the time and is just a nice, quiet, older gentleman... Who is easily flustered by stuff. And for some reason, I guess he and Jim never connect. And I think I think it's a matter of interest. You know, Dr. Doppler is a, a man of science. But um, Jim isn't interested in in that world. He's interested in, in space. Although he is so smart that he figures out a map puzzle like by tapping on it. And you know what? That I have decided that, that, that I hate that. I really like that because it it seems to me like he's playing with a Rubik's cube. But that's kind of why I hate it because that that feels like something that's so done. It's a good sh- okay. You you don't think the Rubik's cube thing is so done? We might just watch I, different I can't, movies. I, I mean, that's probably because I can only think of one other example where that that was a thing. Okay, what example is that? Uh, it was, uh, was it? it was a it was a. Biogra- biography drama starring Will Smith, uh, Pursuit of Happiness. <laughs> you know what? I know that it's in a lot of movies, but the first thing I thought of was the episode of French of Fresh Prince, where he gets. Um, oh yeah, I forgot he did that in the show. Yeah, where he gets immediately into college because he solves the Rubik's cube. Oh, I forgot about that. I was so young when I watched that show. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just that Will Smith can solve Rubik's cubes and he uses it in his movies. He really Will Smith just really likes Rubik's cubes. That's the one thing he held on to from the eighties. Yeah, I'm willing to believe that. So, um, one one day uh, while he, while he's holding it, I, I it feels like it's the same day, but uh, a spaceship crashes like right on the inn's docks, and this uh, kind of turtle alien comes crawling out of it, Billy Bones, and he uh, he hands it. What is it? A chest? I think he opens the chest and hands him the sphere, but it's wrapped up. Yeah, okay, that sounds reasonable. And he tells him to uh, to beware the cyborg. And then uh, yeah, and you know Jim what? helps him inside. <laughs> We're going to talk about what I do and don't like about a cyborg version of Long John Silver. But the first thing is, beware the seafaring man with one leg is so iconic that when you change it, it automatically sounds weird. I don't Along- think so. Along the same lines, there was no black spot in this movie. This movie, inv- Which I'm I mean, fine this. With. Well, the book invented the black spot, though, so I feel like you should have it. I don't know. That might be me being a little bit of a purist. In a movie where, yeah. in a movie where one of the characters is a Catwoman, so you know what? Maybe I should cool off a little bit. <laughs> a little bit. A little um, bit. I'll say this, um, I have this I have this note here, and this must have been when the map was solved that I wrote it down. This movie was made at a time when they really started to be able to blend 2D and 3D animation in a really significant way. Well, this might be at the docks, because I feel like there was something really amazing looking when you first see the docks where all the all the ships are docked. I think I think this is after after the uh, the attack on the inn when you get to the uh, yeah yeah so I'm jumping ahead. Apologies. The Crescent Docks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, he they they drag this old uh, this old uh, pilot inside and uh, he dies shortly after the uh, 
Jim kind of starts playing around with this sphere and he finds out that it's a map. And it's not just any map, it's a map to Treasure Planet, the legendary planet that has Billy Bones' treasure. Not the treasure, Billy what Bones. was it? Billy Bones was, it, was or, the guy sorry, who died. Captain Flint, Captain, Captain Flint's treasure. I'm, I really like this line because they, they keep calling it the treasure of a thousand worlds and that sounds so cool to me. Like, that's such a cool thing to say. Yeah. It's very... It is a cool thing. Ah, we'll talk about it when we get there. I'll talk about the part that I don't like about the treasure planet. The actual planet of treasure. The actual planet of treasure. Yes. So, but uh, yes, that does sound cool. Be- Just the phrase treasure of a thousand worlds. The the inn gets attacked by uh, by pirates, pirates and they ne'er do yes, They raid and they burn the inn and they uh, they escape to Doppler study. This is where he plays with the map. Now that I think about it, and. Uh, Doppler decides to uh, take all of his life savings and invest into commissioning a ship and going to find this planet because he uh, he wants his name to be written down in history and he feels like this is the best way to do it. Which sure is he a could cool make some subplot. discovery, or I guess he could fund an expedition and also go on it. Yeah. Those are I, I suppose his options. You know, at the end of the movie. I don't think his name would be written down anywhere. Probably like, not. I don't think any of theirs would be. At the end of the movie, he gets he an entirely different, unrelated dream that he does not have fulfilled. Man, when you just look at it from his point of view, just from the perspective that they put on him, the original story is all wish fulfillment, and he does not get that. He gets something else, and it's still nice... Because he gets, he, okay, I'm just, I'm, he's, he gets a romance thing. He gets, he gets a wife and kids, and he, but there's nothing in his story, at the, in his um, character at this point, where he talks about wanting a wife and kids. He does not want kids because he's seen Jim. And he's pretty sure kids are terrible. <laughs> I, I think he doesn't want kids. He mentions at the beginning of the movie that he finds kids to be, what, what's the word that he uses? Like, I think, uh, he's repulsive, I think is the word he uses. Um, yeah, or something. But he, he mentions like at the beginning of the movie that like he just he doesn't like kids. I did not think about that until just now, but um, I guess his life just kind of sucks for eighteen years, huh? Maybe he gets into it. I don't know. When they're your own kids, it's probably different. So I am told. And, and I'll talk about this problem later because I do have a lot of problems with this movie as much as I like it. So, so they commission this ship, the RLS Legacy. Uh, they're on a mission to find this treasure planet, and they. Their captain is Captain Amelia, who is this cat alien woman. Yeah, let me talk about her for a second, because I have a huge problem with her entrance. Because she, like, swings off the the mast and, like, climbs down, swings like a cat and shit, right? Yep. While she's doing that, they play what sounds like a, a sound effect that you would get in some sort of gag Halloween candy box <laughs> of a cat screeching. Yep. And I yes, had... That was... You, what? You, they, really have to, they really have to remind you that she is a cat lady, dude. Okay, but when they introduce her, she is so uh, collected and so in charge that the idea that she swung down from the top of the mast and screamed... Is crazy. It's a very Obi-Wan jumping out of a many-story building moment for her, yeah. Wait, did that happen? 
in uh, episode two, right after he tells Anakin to not do anything too rash. When oh, yeah, he... and he jumps out the window. Yeah, he jumps uh, out the window. Yes, that was one of the actual... One of the entertaining scenes in that movie is the thing. I mean, it didn't make sense with his... terrible. I'm sorry? The attack of the clones is terrible. So, um, and then we... So we also have her. We're gonna we're gonna talk about Star Wars so much. I can feel it. So uh, <laughs> her her first mate is this kind of the thing looking rock man named Mister Arrow, who's a cool dude. I really like him. Okay, I personally like how they made Sam the Eagle Mister Arrow, but we'll talk about that when we get to it. I mm, I guess we probably will. Um, the... <laughs> Can I sound more excited? I feel like I sounded too excited when I. I am that. honestly shocked that, like, I can understand liking one movie more. I'm shocked that it actually sounds like you dislike the Muppet version. Uh, I just, I have, I have a lot of problems with that movie too. But we'll get to it. We'll, we'll get, get there. to we'll it. Get we'll, we'll, we'll always, we have time. We're not going to have four hours on this one. I don't have a final tomorrow, so we have plenty of time. So. At this point, Jim is uh, is uh, he's kind of taken away. He's kind of taken away by uh, Captain Amelia and uh, Mister Arrow into the her office, where she tells him, "Hey, I'm going to be holding on to this map because fuck you." Yeah, and she doesn't like she doesn't say any of the obvious stuff, which is it's safer in here. I think her I think her reasoning is like you guys hired a bunch of thugs. We can't trust any of them. So we're going to just leave it in here, and we're not going to talk about what we're doing. Right, but she doesn't say that. She says, give me the map, that's an order. Um, Which is an interesting character choice, especially because we know how well Jim does with um, authority figures. Terribly. is Yeah, not good. Is the answer. It's bad. So uh, at this point, um, they are introduced... Uh, Jim is introduced to the... Uh, cyborg cook john silver and immediately jim is like red flags cyborgs boom found it this is the guy he's a bright kid that makes sense let me talk about long john silver for a second and this this is something that i did not really have an opinion on until i went and watched the the muppet version again yeah long john silver is fucking huge yes and he has a crazy robot leg and a crazy robot arm that can transform into apparently any thing he needs that is sharp or shoots. Um, he is basically the most intimidating being ever. And I kind of hate that. Because when you watch Tim Curry, it's pretty clear that the point of Long John Silver is that he's scary despite the fact that he has one leg. And it's like, he can't do as much. I mean, anybody can be scary when they have a laser eye. But that's Tim Curry playing into what he is known for, which is terrifying children. That's what Tim Curry does. I'm just saying... children, I mean. Like, I'm I just think, saying, I feel like... if, if Long John Silver in this movie was less of a powerhouse, I would find him more impressive. But that's the thing, is... Like, like this is... I feel like you're being very unfair. Like, of, like of course he's not gonna be Tim Curry or or disabled because like this is the future. Like missing a limb just means you put robot shit on it. And I think okay, but again, he was only missing a leg in the first place. They're the ones who took off the rest of the right half of his body. 
but that's the thing though is is i think i think it's very interesting that they they kind of flip the script here where they intro they immediately introduce john silver as being as being the cyborg like this is the guy that we need to watch out for as the audience and then they work their way backwards where they they think to themselves now we need to make this intimidating massive man approachable friendly and a father figure for in order to make this kind of they they kind of twist his character in a lot of ways throughout the movie but they really want to tug at his relationship with jim a lot that's more. an interesting viewpoint where since since you make him since you make him such a convincing bad guy the pro the, the issue then is going back and making him into a likable character. a likable character okay yeah no i can buy that yeah, because this is a movie that actually, you know, cares about the relationship between John Silver and Jim. Don't you fucking even. You want to go there? We'll <laughs> go there. We're going to get there, asshole. We are so going to get there. So, <laughs> God, mm. so. Um, okay, but here's the first thing I really don't like about this movie. I don't like Morph. I don't either. Okay. Because I, I just, I do not like he's, they took a parrot. And said, what if he made it ditto? And that's... Okay, it's just... It felt like one thing a little bit too much. Also, again, this is something... The parrot was part of Long John Silver's shtick. Morph seems to hang out with whoever. Like, he hangs out with Silver, but he also hangs out with Jim a lot. And Silver scares him sometimes. And it's like, I just... I was not into Morph. I think I think Morph's failing is that a he's not cute enough. He's just not cute enough. Like he's not cute. He's kind of creepy because uh, he's got like little lips and it's like. Ugh. But at the same time, he's hella annoying. Oh, that was also like, my problem with um with Ben. Yeesh. Yeah, yeah, and we'll get to Ben when we get to Ben. Yeah. So at this point, we kind of have a a bit of a montage where uh, Jim is kind of put to work by Silver, who uh, is worried. Okay, first thing. Before even the montage starts, there's a, this is just something that I, again, had a bit of an issue with. They have space whales. And Jim runs to the side of the boat to see the space whales. This is never spoken of again. These are the only animals that we see actually living in outer space. They do not affect no, the plot. There are smaller manta like rays and stuff flying around the whales. Are there? Yeah. yeah, but only but not during like any other scene. There's no other scene with animals in the in the in the space ocean. Um. So I kind of that was another thing that felt a little bit short. Like they were working on the lore, but then had to go make Treasure Island instead of this I, weird I think, space movie. I think that was just supposed to be a moment of like. Of, like, feel how big this world is, you know? I think it was, but I don't appreciate knowing how big a world is and then being walked through a story I already know. It's like it's like going to a cyberpunk future so that you can have the Three Little Bears. The Three Little Bears is not a move. It's, it's not a story. Goldilocks and the Three Bears are the Three Little Pigs. <laughs> Either one. Well, but, I mean, I have... Mm -mm. I could talk a lot about cyberpunk and how cyberpunk kind of 
does this amazing job setting up these amazing worlds, but then all it does is tell the same noir stories with just kind of the added twist that uh, blah, 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 stuff, 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 whatever. Yeah, I, I well, let's not get into the ups and downs of cyberpunk and noir, um, because that doesn't have anything to do with... It doesn't actually have anything to do with this conversation. I just pulled cyberpunk out of thin air. Yeah, I understand. And I get what you're going for, and I, I completely get you. Um, that that was one of the problems that I had with... Uh, Don't know. Whatever. Was it a movie I also saw, or some other movie? Uh, it was probably it was some other movie, I think. But uh, I'll, okay. I'll remember it when I remember it. So... The montage. Yeah. So the montage. So so the reason the reason um, Silver puts Jim to work so hard is because Silver is worried that Silver is also a smart guy and he's like this kid is sharp and I need to well I, say, I need to dull his senses and so what he does in order to make Jim less able to snoop around is just make him work his butt off and um, the the pro of this plan is it does make Jim kind of tired all the time but the con of this is that we see that John Silver starts to really connect with this kid that they have a lot in common and yeah and Jim is also exceeding his expectations a like, lot we see it a few times and it looks like he's having to find like make up more work because for Jim to do. at some point Jim also connected with Silver and is suddenly okay taking orders from this guy because Jim actually pretty quickly took to him as a father figure although again it is a um it is a montage I don't think I have this written down but the music in this movie is not very good I really like that I really like the one song in the montage yeah, and I will admit it's I, because that song is punk rock as fuck and has no reason to be in this movie. Well, that's that's why it was so fucking weird. <laughs> yeah, it's. I don't know. I really like it. I just, but again, okay. that's just because a I like punk rock and b but b I understand that that song has no reason to be in this movie. Like it doesn't tonally, and then they and they they do do that thing that I fucking hate. They that Phil Collins ass shit where they have the singer <laughs> singing over the montage. Like get that shit out of here. I like this song. I don't like it that much. Um, I have a question, and I don't know. This is just in here. I think it might have been something Jim said to that crab guy. He calls them yeah. bright eyes? Yeah. And I'm just not entirely sure if that's an insult. Turn around, bright eyes. Because old bright eyes was super pissed when he said that. But like, <laughs> bright eyes sounds more like a term of endearment? I, I feel like if you were a pirate and somebody came up to you and said, hey, what's up, hot stuff? You'd be like, because of masculinity, bleh, I'm okay. a terrible person. You know? It's like, I call children and animals bright eyes sometimes. Yeah, but I feel like if you just, like, if you went up to a grown man who was obviously mad at you and you're just like, what do you think, bright eyes? They would get even madder. But it's, like, so weird that that is the insult Jim went for. There's a lot of stuff about this guy that is very easy to insult. Well, like I can tell you right now. Like, like a spider everywhere. He's a spider man. Or his weird claw hands. But then again, crab man? That might be racist. Yeah, that's the thing. But I don't he think still we're... calls him bright eyes, which might also be racist since he has those big giant eyes. <gasps> Maybe bright eyes is a racial epithet. Oh, it could be. And but yeah, that 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 happens uh, shortly after the montage. Um, 
Oh, yes. I did write that it's a good montage of budding friendship slash mutiny. Yeah, there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, like, these two characters, like, coming together as, like, friends, this father-son relationship that they have. But then you also have Silver rallying this pirate crew, getting them ready for this mutiny that they're going to do. Mm-hmm. At one point, uh, this is where we hit our first big uh, action sequence uh, when uh, one of the stars that they're flying towards collapses into a supernova. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is um, this, this is, is a good interesting. Scene. Yeah, it's an interesting action sequence. There's a couple of things that I super hate about it. One is this deformed pirate guy s- screaming, "Yeah, baby, ba boom!" because he shoots a space rock. and it's like dude you're gonna fucking die if you don't shoot another space rock keep your damn pants that's the thing right is like seconds later a bigger space rock shows up and he's like oh no and he runs away from the gun he's he's like that's what you get for not staying on your job and it's like, I don't know, like, they were trying to build a little bit of this shitty character that I don't ever want to know more about. Also, same scene, Dr. Doppler says devolving, when you should say collapsing into a black hole. Devolving, yeah, I, devolving I noticed that as well. does not work. That's so, it was so weird, because you know these guys spend a lot of time thinking about space. So why don't you come with the action scene from a point of view of somebody who do- who didn't uh, get caught up in the parts that he hated? So, well, I was just going to say that uh, after the star collapses into a supernova, it it uh, well, okay, so so technically the terminology devolving into a black hole is correct. Is it? Yes, because you collapse, you go supernova, and then the supernova devolves because it it doesn't create enough energy to escape the gravitational pull of the further collapsing system. Of I know too much about is, this, of the further collapsing system. Is, is it really called devolving? It's one of the many terms that are used, yeah. Huh. There are a that lot of terms used to describe how stars interact with each other. And going uh, a supernova devolving into a black hole isn't common. But but one interesting thing that they do is they uh, is the they use the fact that um, when when a star supernovas and then devolves, it it bursts a lot of that collected energy outward from the center. Right. It's this weird moment of actual science, which is in cool, this movie. But also, that is, yeah, it's weird. But I, I like it. But at the same time, I'm like. You're, you didn't have to do all of this science. You've already established that this is space that you can sail boats in. You can already do whatever you want. Uh, but it's kind of clever. It's like when it's like when Marvel throws in actual science in like one of their Thor things. So like, oh, okay, Thor, teach me about science. Um, I really hope with I really hope with uh, Doctor Strange they stop doing that and they just lean into the magic stuff, which from watching the Ragnarok trailer feels like that's what they're doing. I really want Marvel to lean into magic more. I really do. Mm-hmm. Wash it Apologies. Wash it I shouldn't just. I shouldn't just make references to stuff. That's yeah, what we dude, end up talking just, about them for forever. Yeah, you can't just. Yeah, you can't just bring up Marvel, man. Yeah, it's like in Beauty and the Beast. Uh. You literally made me spit Dr Pepper. <laughs> God, come on, man. <coughs> okay. I want to make fucking jokes, Andy. You're always one making the jokes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so 
Um, the, the, but the thing is, is uh, Jim was given one job during the supernova, which is to secure all of the crew members' lifelines so that they're not pulled into the black hole. Um, the problem is, is um, uh, Mr. Arrow loses grip of the mask while they're uh, while he's unsecuring the ship's sail so that they can ride the shockwave out of the black hole's event horizon. And um, what's the guy's name? Scroop. Sure, maybe. Um, cuts Arrow's lifeline, um, kind of letting mm-hmm. him fall into into this black hole, um, and nobody seems to notice at the time. Because yeah, and then he. I don't know, discreetly unties it from the place where it was tied because the rope is no longer there when it's looked at it's later no and he yeah. blames Jim. Or Jim blames himself. Yeah, nobody uh, else seems nobody else seems to really put a lot of blame on Jim because I think the captain is the only professional there and she knows that would do no good. And even the captain and everybody even, else doesn't give a shit. And even the captain doesn't blame Jim. She's She's but, probably and, done this a million times. She knows how bad things can get. Yeah, and but 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 I think the biggest thing is that Jim just immediately blames himself and kind of starts regressing a lot of a lot of the growth that he had working with Silver. Yeah, and I have this written down. I did not think Arrow was a very interesting character. Uh, well, so yeah. I did not I did not particularly care when he died, but I thought it was very interesting how much that made Silver turn on Scroop. Yeah. Because fucking cares for Jim and he was and he couldn't say Jim this isn't your fault because now now he has to follow along with this fake idea that was uh it's clever and terrible. <laughs> oh, here's uh just just while I'm on the just while I'm on the subject for a second. Um there are two separate monsters that are just like a head and arms. Like, two What's separate it? aliens, different species of aliens that are basically a head and arms. Yeah. I fucking hate that. I thought that was cool. I hated it so goddamn much. Where's your sense of adventure, man? Alright, go on with your thing. So, so real quick, there, yeah, so I, I really, I do think it's very interesting how they, they use, like, Arrow's death, they, they kind of understand, like, the only person who would be emotional over Arrow's death is the captain because they've known each other for so long. But that's not why that's not why we feel bad. We feel bad because we see how it affects Jim and we kind of this is where Jim gets his uh his his real tragic backstory moment and you you kind of realize that the reason Jim is the way he is is because he just doesn't believe in himself and it's it was it's hard for him to believe that he could do good work because all his life he was trying to kind of um, appeal to his real dad who never really showed him the time of day and that mm-hmm. kind of st- mm-hmm. that feeling kind of really stuck with him and silver coming along and not 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 just talking to him about what happened but telling him listen shit goes wrong we make mistakes you got to own up to that mistake and grow from it that's it's a really good speech as well um when the time comes you get the chance to really test the cut of your sails and show what you're made of well, I hope I'm there, catching some of the light coming off of you that day. That's a really good line, and it's delivered by the actor really, really well. I think I think that line is to me the moment that I was like, "This is a good John Silver. This is a good rep. This is a good adaptation of what John Silver is supposed to be um, a bad person who just happened to have a soft spot for this one kid." 
Okay, I'm not going to argue this. Well, I've said it before, what I like about this movie, the one thing that I find uh, redeemable about this movie that I I do think is is basically just uh, just kind of fell over itself, the establishing of a father-son relationship and the idea that the father-son relationship is so important that you don't see in so many Disney movies because the idea of a Disney movie is to go on an adventure without your parents. I, I, I don't really want to talk about that right now. I have this whole thing written up that you perfectly segue me into, but I don't know if I want to talk about it right now because I want to talk about it when we get to, I think, this same moment in the next movie. Oh my god, we're gonna fucking, like, we're gonna really fucking fight. I We really are, and I cannot wait. But here's, so, so um, okay. moving on, though, is that... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> really quickly after the supernova event, um, Jim overhears that that the crew are are in fact all pirates underneath underneath John Silver, and that they're just that, and that they are going to mutiny. Here's another another little thing. Since you brought up the next movie, I'm just gonna throw it out there. I find it extremely believable that Tim Curry was able to con a bunch of pirates onto a crew. And I find it so much less believable that this version of Long John Silver is able to do that. He's not really the smooth talker guy. He's not charismatic, I think, so much as he is frightening. He seems to really he seems to command the respect of the pirates out of out of a place of fear because when Scroop Well, that's the that's that's sorry, I'm not communicating this right. That's not what I mean. I mean in the beginning, the part of the movie where we don't even see, which is how they get hired. How somebody is can how how Doppler is convinced to hire all these obviously evil people, <laughs> like almost comically evil people, so evil that everybody else who looks at them thinks immediately we're gonna get killed in space. I don't understand. Like I understood how Tim Curry would be able to say, "Yeah, but we're all real great. We'll give you. We'll we'll get you this this ship ship shape." And I don't understand how this version of uh, Long John Silver did it, because he does, the, he does not carry that same charismatic weight. The 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 tone that I got from the beginning of the movie is that Doppler, while having a, enough savings to commission an expedition, didn't have enough savings to to get a good ship, and also oh, like he got the cheapest guys. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Like, okay. Like, all right, all right I spent it. a lot of money getting this great ship and this great captain. Fantastic. I don't have enough left for a crew, though, so we're just going to hire whoever shows up. You look creepy, but it, you're cheap. Everybody is a we're almost we're, we're almost done. Because this movie's really God, short. God, we are like... Yeah, okay. Or it feels really short. How short is this movie? Yeah, it's not uh, that long. It's like, it's 95 minutes. It's an hour and a half. Yeah, I've done, I was going to guess about 90. So, everybody's a pirate. They're all... Oh, Jim sees them because actually this is true in both versions. He is in a barrel, although in this version he is in a barrel of some kind of space fruit. And he he overhears them. And actually, he does a really interesting thing where Silver realizes he was overheard and Jim stabs him in his leg, his uh, cyborg leg. And I don't know how these kinds of things work. But it appears to be powered in some way by steam. Like, instead of a knee, this one part of his leg inflates and deflates when he walks. 
Um, so after that, after that moment in the movie, he's walking with a limp, which I actually find kind of fascinating as a sort of, once he's revealed to Jim as the bad guy, he becomes more like the original Long John Silver. He, he, not only that, but he, even like the way he moves, like the way he moves becomes less organic and more mechanical after that. Yeah, it's more sinister. Um, which I think is also, I feel like, like I said, this movie, this movie is like a testament to how good Disney animation is because for one thing, all of the cyborg parts are CGI, but the rest of him is traditional animation. That is fucking amazing, actually. Right? Fucking so cool. Uh, I was just going to say the fact that you can see that and not immediately hate it offhand is itself amazing. Because every time, not every time, not anymore, but so often when you see CGI blended with animation, it is the ugliest thing. Looking at you, Tim Curry and Beating on the Beast, The Enchanted Christmas. <laughs> Side-eye oh, so hard right now. So, um, but yeah, like, it's a testament to Disney animation that, like, you have this, like, combination of CGI and traditional animation that kind of hasn't been done before a but b they put so much uh thought into how this character moves both before and after this revelation and also be like like not not just because of the injury like he his his physical stature is changed in a way that's he's still recognizable as being john silver but you can tell like this is this is john silver the pirate this is this is not john silver the father figure anymore so my my next Um, note is about ben so you're gonna have to get us to the planet yeah we're almost at that so let me quickly get us there um so the muni happens uh jim doppler amelia and morph decides to hitch along for the ride abandon the ship but they leave the map on the boat they don't okay i want to mention they don't know they leave the map on the boat um because morph is currently the map yeah it's just it's is another reason to dislike Morph. Basically, he yeah, can't seriously. fucking read the room. He's like a floating. He's a floating tube of toothpaste. Like, yeah, he's he's he he's, looks. He's a bad sidekick character. I don't like. Yeah. I don't like the sidekick characters in it's, this movie. It's. I, I think Morph is the one thing in this movie that is designed in a way that I'm just like that. It doesn't fit in this world. Like every every other background character, whether or not they like look good or not, like like, like some of them look like weird and but but it all kind of fits them into this like intentionally space. ugly yeah like this they're all these like they all fit the theme of space pirates i can easily imagine it but this little like jello thing it's like it's like they just cut it straight out of flubber and it's like why why did you make this choice but yeah they, they don't realize that they left the map on the ship um and at this point there's kind of a standoff between uh between the pirates and the survivors um but captain amelia has been critically wounded i would say except later she's fine here's the thing i that's that's (laughs) in my notes near the end of the movie her injury keeps changing in severity by scene at one moment she's like dying on the ground another moment she's like grabbing her side but she's cool she's fine she's got this and i i'm never Here's the other thing, and this might be a problem with just any animated movie that that came out in the early 2000s. They made this really cool action hero heroine captain girl, 
And for the final act, they crippled her so she couldn't do anything anymore. And that was, that. I found that to be actually, like, problematic. And I get... The, yeah, I'll talk about the problems with this movie when I get to them, but... But I, I, I feel they, like a lot of a lot of the problems that this movie has come from the fact that this is an adapt an adaptation of Treasure Island. I think yeah, I think that's what I least like about it. Actually, if they if they hadn't spent so much time adapting the plot of Treasure Island and just made a weird space movie, I think it would have been great. I would have just yeah. liked their well, weird mean, but, space movie. But but that's the thing is that, is that this is this is the adaptation of Treasure Island that these two directors wanted to make for twenty years. Uh, this is where we meet Ben, who is an abandoned robot, lost his primary memory, invites them back to their place for shelter. And Ben, who is who is voiced by Martin Short. Now, if you know who Martin Short is, you already know why we hate this character. Explain this is, this to is the Martin people. Short's particular brand. This is Martin Short's particular brand of humor, which is I am a loud idiot asshole yeah imagine okay here's what i thought when i saw ben when i saw the trailer for frozen i thought man olaf is going to be the most annoying character ever and what i hadn't realized is that the character i was picturing was just ben really you thought olaf was fine i thought olaf was a lot better than i thought he was gonna be and also yeah i like he's charming Mm. Olaf is charming, and also he's more useful than most sidekick characters. Like, he comes up with solutions for stuff. You know what? We don't need to talk about Frozen. We don't need to have another fight right now. We're gonna have a different fight. The point is... We're gonna have a different fight real soon. Ben is like Olaf if he was also Dory? And also just a little bit louder? Yeah, that's. I think my biggest problem with Ben is just how loud Martin Short is. It's a very, it's a very shrill, annoying voice, and I love Martin Short in some things, but this is not. This, like most of Martin Short's things, is not one of those things that I love him in. <laughs> Ooh, shots fired! It's, it's not Martin Short's fault. It's just you know, like you, if when an actor becomes well known for being a certain character, I usually tend to not like that character. Yeah, I understand that. Like the I guy, been able like to that, watch the about... Sandler film in like ten years. Oh fucking I, yeah! I was gonna I was gonna bring up uh, the guy from Ghostbusters, but yeah, Adam Sandler works too. Uh, the one who's in a lot of movies and he plays uh, the asshole who gets the girl. Okay, Bill Murray. Yeah, Bill Murray. Thank you. I, I think Adam Sandler is a better example, though. I just like I liked Bill Murray in Zombieland because he played himself in Zombieland. I did too. That was funny, and uh, I liked him in um, I liked him in. Jungle Book because I did not expect Bill Murray to be in Jungle Book. Like they made Baloo just like a straight up Bill Murray character. (laughs) Yeah, I thought I was going to hate Bill Murray in the Jungle Book, but I think I think he did a really good job, and I think a lot of that is because he wasn't being like he showed up on set to be Baloo and not to be a Bill Murray, another Bill Murray character. I don't know. I thought the I thought that their version of Blue was pretty Bill Murray e, where he's like, you know, first he's first he's an asshole and he's kind of tricking this kid, and then like he turns out to be pretty decent later in the movie, you know, like in um um like in uh, Groundhog Day or something. Yeah, I guess we don't need to er stripes. Yeah, look, we don't need to talk about Bill Murray. Do you know what we don't need to do? Talk about Bill Murray. That can be a different conversation every conversation we're we're having can be a different one 
Yeah, it seriously could. I, I was telling my friend the other day that I could literally talk about Star Wars for twenty four hours and let's, and have every, okay, but let's every hour be a new and beautiful thing. So, I mean, I'm excited for the new one, but we don't need to talk about it. Ben and Jim decide to uh, go back to the ship to gra- grab the map, uh, and while they're there, they get into a fight with. Uh, Actually, Scrooge. can I bring something up? They do a parlay. They do like a little parlay where. Oh, where, I forgot uh, about that. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, where Silver and um and Jim talk. Yes. And Silver tells Jim like he's he. It's pretty clear that he does not want to hurt Jim, and he still likes Jim. He he wants to be able to get everybody out of this, and he says we can both walk away from this rich as kings. And here's my biggest problem with this movie. It is a treasure planet. An entire planet could walk away from this place rich as kings. The idea that they all have to fight for this treasure is absurd. Because they are all going to have more than can possibly be spent in multiple lifetimes. And in fact, the greatest treasure that they have would actually be the... Fucking transporter that they find, which is apparently technology nobody else has, and they end up destroying. So that's the thing is is I feel like I feel like a lot of this hinges on the on the trope that pirates don't share. But that is so absurd. To be fair, the original treasure they don't island even, also they don't even need to share. They can just take everything, and then there will be more. But but that's but that's the issue is that these this this the the idea of finding such an an immense amount amount of treasure that that's not a rational thing to to be chasing for so long and by the time you get so close I don't think you would be thinking so rationally about it I'm I'm amazed that John Silver is able to set aside what he does because this has been his lifelong endeavor and he. And, and he's the only character of the pirates that goes through the the arc of being able to let go of this lifelong endeavor. Hey, can I also talk about something else? Um, I just need to throw oh, sure. this out here for a second. So, in this version of the story, Flynn has been dead for like a hundred years or a thousand years? Flint has been dead for a while, yeah. Yeah. Which means that unlike in the original story... Long John Silver is not on his crew. He's just also a little kid who used to read about Flint's treasure. And I'm not saying that's good or bad. I'm just not entirely sure why they would do that. I I think it was just a case of why not. (laughs) Right? Like, him being a part of Flint's crew or not, like, it doesn't really change his character much. Like, at the end of the day, he's still a pirate, and he still has done some pretty bad things. His obsession, I feel like, is given a little bit more if he was part of Flint's crew. I don't know. Because because there's this idea of betrayal, and at least in his eyes... That he deserves it. It being owed to him. Yeah. Um, But that's... It's it's not really important. It's just a... it's, It's just something I was thinking about while watching it. But so they uh they have that little parlay and then Yeah. Uh, the 
uh, after going back to the ship, uh, Jim gets into a bit of a tussle with Scroop, and uh, after fighting uh, in another pretty good action scene that reminds me a little bit of uh, it reminded me a little bit of uh, Inception in that I I oh okay that's interesting because the the gravity turns off the gravity turns off the yeah. ceiling. Here's what I disliked about this. The whole scene hinged on this not very funny comedic moment with Ben. Where he can't figure out how to disable the ship cannons. And here's the thing that bothered me about that. There is one pirate on this ship. The thing to do would not be disable the cannons. It would be take out that pirate steal the ship, and then shoot the other pirates. Which also is what they did in the other movie. Um, so I thought they're, that they're independently hard. of watching the other movie and then realized that that was what they did because it's the thing that makes sense. Well, the the difference between the both of the ships is that the this ship, the Legacy, is significantly larger and more mysterious than the other ship, and also there is less of a cast to do such a thing. Captain like, Silver you're, you're giving the Captain you're giving Silver the impression says, that the the amount of crew it would take to pilot to pilot this ship and fire cannons is more than two people and a tiny glob. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Captain Silver says he threatens to shoot the to shoot their their hideout with the ship's cannons and kill them all. Knowing that, I mean, that's why they go to destroy the cannons. They should know that it should be just as easy to point it slightly to the right and shoot the pirates instead. I mean, it's just something. But Jim doesn't want to kill Long John Silver. No, he doesn't. But he should consider it as a possibility. Um. Also, here's another thing. Uh, this is this is me just being an active viewer when the lights went out. And Jim did not immediately shoot. I was so pissed. <laughs> because when the lights go out, you fucking shoot. That yeah, means something that in front of you. Yeah, you pull that trigger just in case. Yeah. I think I think I think if he had immediately shot and then realized that he didn't hit anything, that would have been a much scarier moment. Yeah, that actually I that would have been very tense. Although maybe that's why they didn't do it. You don't necessarily want the movie to be that tense, but I I would have enjoyed it. He uh, eventually, uh, because of the loss of gravity, Jim ends up uh, tricking Scroop into drifting off into space in a death ironically echoed by how Scroop murdered uh, Mr. Arrow, which I thought was nice. I thought that was a nice touch. You know what I thought when I watched it? What's that? I was like, I only wish Gaston's death in the live-action movie could have been this ironic. It was a good ironic death. It like, was also, when you stop to think about it, one of the scarier Disney falling deaths because he is not going to die for days. Yeah, because there's atmosphere in space. So he's uh-huh. going to drift until he dies of starvation or he kills or himself. dehydration. Or dehydration. So yeah, that... um. Or getting eaten by a whale, which I guess just hang out in space. Space whales. Space whales. What what do they drink, do you think? 
Uh, I don't know. They probably, like, maybe they feed off of, like, space krill, like like little space bacteria. It is an atmosphere in space, so I assume that there's bacteria in that atmosphere. So, uh, honestly, I'm going to run through the rest of this movie really quickly because I, as much as I like this movie, it's just Treasure Island. And, yeah, it's and just it Treasure really, Island. In fact, and it doesn't do anything we go over new. the next one, we'll probably be going over the same shit. So, uh, they, get, they get back to the... I'm trying to run through it. You run through it. You do it. I believe in you. All right. So I'll, I'll let you do Treasure Island. I'll let you do Muppets Treasure Island. And then I'll, I'll be oh, the one interrupting go. you. Let's go so, a bad day. Okay. <laughs> so they kill Scroop and they end up going back. However, when they get back, they are caught by Silver, who had already captured the captain and the doctor. And then they force Jim to direct them to the treasure. And Jim, Jim is like, and they're like, we'll just take the map from you. And Jim is like, uh-uh, I'm the only person who can activate this shit because I know how to solve circular Rubik's Cubes. So yeah, except going. he doesn't, I mean, I, this is kind of interesting. He doesn't actually say that. He just kind of grins at them when they can't solve it. Yeah, when they can't do it. But Jim makes it very clear that either everyone is going or this treasure isn't getting found. So they... Find their way to uh, the ed- this edge, cl- the, cl- this, the edge of a cliff face, where they realize that the map opens up uh, this portal, and if you tap any of the locations on the map, you can literally jump anywhere in the galaxy. Or they don't call it the galaxy; it's the Ethereum. Any, but oh my god, the they do call it the Ethereum. That is. Like that points to so much more lore than this movie needs. Yeah, like, but that's I. You know what I want? I want somebody to make a fucking like Dungeons and Dragons style thing about Treasure Planet. That would be nice, but that doesn't make the movie Treasure Planet any better for having the word Ethereum in it. It doesn't. I just, I just <laughs> forgot because I forgot that they did until I said Galaxy, and I was like, no, they have a name for it. And then they, and they realized like this is how this is how Flint was got to be such a, uh, an infamous pirate. This is how he could appear out of nowhere. Is he had this portal uh, technology. And right, he... and again, he appears to be the only person in history who has ever figured out this portal technology. It is possibly the most important invention ever. Just keep that in mind for the next bit. Okay. Well, well but that's the thing, though is is even is is just as big as the portal is the fact that Treasure Planet isn't a planet; it's a spaceship. You, you motherfucker! Thanks. I've been mm, looking forward to saying it's that line Battle for a Station, while. asshole. I watched A New Hope like two like two weeks ago. Um, okay. So, but yeah, no, but it's a, it's a massive <laughs> space station that Flint mm-hmm. built just to hide all of this treasure. Yeah, and the weird thing is, hid the treasure not so that he could spend it later. I always understood in the original Treasure Island that Flint was eventually going to spend it, but ended up dying. Yeah, that he was going to come back but this, and spend it. Right, but this version of Flint dies with his treasure after pulling the memory core out of Ben so he can tell no one that it exists. And that's, I think Flint is one of the most interesting characters in this fucking movie. Like, like what? Like, the fact that he, like, he was content with just sitting with his treasure and dying. And the one thing that he feared was that someday someone out there might find his treasure and take it from his dead body. That was his greatest fear. And he feared it so much that he decided not only will nobody 
Not only will I make sure nobody can find this treasure, but if they do somehow manage it, I'm gonna blow it all up. Which is fucking crazy. What a crazy old pirate. Crazy old space pirate. Yeah, like he he rigs the planet to explode if anybody who (laughs) isn't him enters the treasure. Well, I guess all you had to do was like jump over the little laser, but nobody did that because they didn't know it was rigged. If this was a D&D campaign... They should have checked for traps. I mean, that obviously, like that's the problem. But the thing is, they didn't have any rogues. I, I I thought they were all rogues. No, they're pirates. It's very different. I thought pirates are rogues. No, pirates are more of a berserker with a with a. Are you telling me? Are you telling me that they don't that they don't get a dex bonus on their swords instead of a strength bonus? What? That's right. They definitely get a strength bonus, but it doesn't doesn't make them better at detecting. Hey guys. Listen to us devolve into the kind of podcast that you did not sign up to watch. <laughs> Listen to. All right, we're, me and, okay. You know what? Here's what we're gonna do, Tony. I'm gonna grab my I'm gonna grab my rule set books. We're gonna quickly role play <laughs> the entire Treasure Planet movie and see if we come to the same conclusion. It's gonna be a five hour long episode. If somebody else wasn't already doing that very well, I would be totally on top of it. I still need to, I'm still so excited to, I still need to, I'm like, the one thing I'm looking, the two things I'm looking forward to doing, well, I'm looking forward to a lot, doing a lot of things this summer, but two of the more, two of the bigger things that I'm looking forward to is finishing or catching up on the Adventure Zone and catching up on Friends at the Table. Mm, So excited. I, I, some, some fucking cool shit keeps happening in Adventure Zone and I can't talk to you about it. I'm, I'm so excited. Because my entire section of Twitter keeps talking about it every time an episode drops. So, um, all the things we so talked about can, in this can, panel already happened, but uh, stuff's exploding. Ultimate, yeah, stuff's move. exploding. Everyone's dying. Um, but Jim, uh, Jim tries to rig uh, Flint's boat to sail so that they could ride out of there with some of Flint's treasure. Yeah, but it like um. Gets caught but in an explosion, or what? What shenanigans what happen? I don't know, something like that. I just, just shenanigans happen. Jim is about to fall into a crevice. Um, John is holding on to the boat with his cyborg arm and leg, so that it doesn't drift away from mm-hmm. them into one of the oncoming lasers that are destroying the planet, and also trying to grab Jim. And realizing that he can't reach Jim in time, he decides to let go of the treasure and catch Jim. In the process. Mm-hmm. This is good. This is a powerful moment for him. It really is. It, um, I wish the movie lingered on it a little bit more, but I can understand why they also couldn't linger on it a bit more. Because the planet's about to fucking explode. And Yeah. But that's the other thing. That's That kind of takes away from it a little. Because he, he lets go of the treasure to save Jim. But also, the planet's exploding, and Jim is the only way out. Yeah. Like, it is... It, it is pretty clear to, I think, pretty much everybody that Jim is the only one that they can possibly rely on to get them out of there. So, But especially, especially to Silver because he believed in him first. So uh, working together, Silver, uh, Ben, Jim, Doppler, and Amelia eventually... Oh, and some of the other pirates, I think? I think? Uh, maybe they die. I don't remember. But the legacy is a bit damaged, so Jim has to make another rocket-powered sailboard. This is a cool scene. I liked, I liked him building it. That was really fun. Uh, it. I feel like. I feel like the beginning of the movie should have been dedicated to him building a sailboard, and then just like hard cutting to him being arrested. 
Oh, instead of just mentioning that he built the sailboard after, yeah. like, three I... solid minutes of him doing cool flips. Yeah, I feel like it would have been funnier and better build-up if it, if, it, if it was, like, a scene of, like, him building a sailboard and, like, it being, like, and this is how it works. How cool am I? And then just hard cut to, woo! We found your son that... sailboarding in a restricted zone. That would have been pretty good, actually. I would have enjoyed that. So, but yeah, she, like, they, at the last moment, set the portal back to the spaceport that they started out their journey on, and they fly through it. Again, again, Jim is very clever. That is the only possible way they could have escaped, to use this amazing portal technology, which, again, they lose. It's gone now. But Tony, the biggest treasure, the biggest no. treasure were the friends mm-hmm. we made along the way. No, incorrect. The biggest treasure was the stuff. You're that right. Exploded. You're right. The cool portal technology is the, the cool portal technology is the biggest treasure. I think it's definitely not this fucking robot that they bring with them. <laughs> this fucking robot. Oh, I hate that thing so much. He doesn't get less annoying for having a memory. No, he doesn't. I was really hoping that he would that he'd become like an Alfred character when he got his memory back. But okay, no. so let's talk about. I think we're getting to the last, the final two scenes. Yeah, the so... one. And the the one the the one go to end of the end of the the pirate the, the 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 Andy help me out here just talk. <laughs> oh no, I I was really hoping that you had the reins on this one. You were so confident earlier. All right, you know what? Fuck it. So for it. Long John Silver is gonna fly away on the damn skate pod or skate boat because it's space. I was planning on interrupting you when you talked about this, so let me talk about what I dislike about this movie, and it took me basically till the end to realize it. There's not really any death in this movie, which feels weird for a pirate movie. Uh, two people do die. Three. There's not... Billy Bones, Did three people die? and the first mate. Oh, Billy Bones. I forgot about Billy Bones. Uh, yeah. But yes, three people do die, but the, but the idea of death is not mentioned or dwelt upon. Despite the fact that most no. of the characters are murderers. And this is this is one thing that I that I just kinda did not like about this movie, which is at right at the end here, um, Silver says I can't be in a cell. Actually I think he says Morph can't be in a cell. But realistically, hey, this is the future, maybe they have gotten past barbaric techniques like this. Uh historically pirates have been hung. If he got back to port, usually he would be dead, and so that makes it much more important for him to get back to port. Also, the other thing is, you know what, maybe that se- maybe the second part would be better to wait until the end of the next movie dimension. Yeah, I'm gonna hold on that. He gives- so mm. Silver gives Morph to Jim, and flies away with some treasure- they didn't really get they didn't really get any of the treasure from the planet, which I really don't like. I really don't like how the entire point the sort of MacGuffin of the movie they lose forever. Because what what they ended up with is Jim gets a career as a sailor. I guess they're trying to show that that's better because he grew in on on this adventure of his. But I don't know. I and I, I just felt like uh I just felt like it could have done with the much less down-to-earth, I mean, it's not a down-to-earth movie, the much less down-to-earth kid finds a lot of treasure. But they didn't, and um, Silver flies off with the treasure, but he gives Jim some so that his mom can rebuild the inn he destroyed. 
which is basically the least he can fucking do, if you think about it. <laughs> no, the least he could do is leave without giving Jim any money. Jim saved his life, and he destroyed Jim's mom's livelihood. So technically, yes, the thing you said is the least he could do. Jim would never look back on him fondly because of it. Yeah, this movie This movie has a lot of problems, and... It, I think a Wait, lot. Are we of talking why... about the problems with the movie without going to the end? Well, we're should, should we much... finish the oh, movie sorry, before we sorry. get into this? Sorry, you're right. I, I just okay. I, you mentioned the uh, the fact that he becomes a sailor, and I I just don't I don't know why I thought that we were done. But yeah, so uh, uh, Silver, <laughs> the, John there's Silver an gives... end sequence. Okay, the end sequence. It feels like Balto, where everybody got like a final conversation with Balto before the movie ended. <laughs> Because in the end sequence, we are at the inn rebuilt, we can see that Ben is waiting tables now, as is his mom, and then the captain and Fraser dog show up with their weird hybrid children, and Morph is their babysitting the weird hybrid children, and oh, Jim's here, but oh no, it's with the cops! But oh, it's just, they're just playing a little goof because the cops love Jim now because I think he outranks them. And <laughs> they fear his power. They fear his power. They bow to him at one point. So fucking maybe. Uh, <laughs> it was just so gratuitous and pretty stupid. And then it pans up to Long John Silver's face in the clouds. It's like, okay, at what point that did was... they think maybe this might be too much? Yeah, it, so the reason I like Treasure Planet is the reason I like uh, a lot of movies that I feel are bad. And it's because every the, the entire time I'm watching this movie, I can see the intent. I understand what it is that they're going for and I respect it. What, but, what hap- but I can also see that like really quickly... What these uh, what these two people wanted this movie to be fell apart. Like the script wasn't all there. Um, in fact, it, it feels like the one thing that they had when it came to making this movie was what the world should look like. Like that, they really nailed down the aesthetic of this movie, and I love the aesthetic of this movie. It is it is a very good looking movie. Yeah, like privateer nineteenth century pirates, but in space. It is yeah. so fucking sexy to me. Like, I wish I could go back in time. I wish I could go back in but time. But also forward in time. And, but also forward in time. And kill the person who invented steampunk. Just murder them dead. Like, as they're inventing it. Just I, show up Andy, and you're not allowed. them. Andy. And th- Andy, let me finish. And fucking just mm, you're, Andy, throw them to the Jules side. Verne let me finish. invented let science finish. fiction. You can't kill him. Jules Verne did not in- No, Jules Verne did not invent modern steampunk, which is what I hate. Kill that person, who I assume existed in the 80s. Fucking murder them dead. I don't think... I don't think you can... And replace the steampunk aesthetic. Steampunk would happen. And replace the steampunk aesthetic with this aesthetic. Because it it just... It feels and looks so much better. My problem... Tony, my problem with steampunk isn't... Isn't Jules Verne's vision of the future. Because that, to me, is... That, to me, is just... Like, the way... The past imagines the future is different than what I consider to be steampunk. Because to Jules Verne, the logical future was steam-powered. I'm not... It's just that that's where all steampunk is basically taken from. It's taken from... It's taken from science fiction from that time. The part about modern steampunk that that pisses me off... And I had notes about this because this was something that... 
This is something that I've been thinking about for a long time. And I'll, I think I'll talk about this on a, on a DVD extra. That's a good idea. But I fucking hate steampunk. And I wish I could replace it with this movie's aesthetic. It's a good aesthetic. And yeah, um, when you think about it, this would be the whole the whole setting, the whole world would be really cool in a uh, in a role playing game, or fuck even a even just a regular video game. Like so many space video games are kind of ugly looking, and that's yeah, part of their I could, aesthetic. I could that's what they're going game. for. But if you just made it fucking beautiful, that might be. Yeah, I, I think I think the biggest thing about this movie and the reason I'm so attracted to it is because this is this is one of the few Disney movies that nails an aesthetic that there's nothing else like it. Nothing there is no movie or game or anything out there that looks the way this movie does. I'm trying to think of another movie, another Disney movie that does that since you said Disney movie. Well, I I, I would I would extend it, but but the reason I say Disney is because a lot of Disney movies a lot of the, they have an aesthetic that is an homage to or based on something, but this is just purely like like there's nothing else like it. And there are a lot of movies that do that. Yeah, what I first thought of when you when you said that was, uh, you know, the eighty uh, the late eighties early nineties sort of animation renaissance that they went through was such a big deal because they started doing stuff like looking at how actual animals moved for the Lion King <laughs> and um, looking at how how hair works underwater for the little for the little mermaid and some and so much stuff that sort of created its own aesthetic, but then everybody else said, Hey, that's a good idea. I also want to do that. And so you'll see sort of remnants of that animation in other animation. And that's good. It's building off of each other. But I think the reason that this movie sort of stands alone as it is is because it was not a popular movie nobody wanted to take the aesthetic of it but but which is which to me is a real shame because the aesthetic is good it's fantastic and i because like even even disney movies that didn't do well like sleeping beauty and the black cauldron like those those movies there are there are things out there that have that that have the feel of those movies so I don't know. I don't know what it is about this movie specifically, but there, it I I keep getting drawn back to it. Even though I like like as a film, it's a poor movie. Like honestly, like it's it's a bare bones adaptation of a book that I don't think is that particularly great. No, it's like uh, it's like the adventure book that everybody that everybody read when they were eleven for so long. Now that's Harry Potter. Well, now it is, but before Harry Potter. Right. Then, well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, before Harry Potter happened, and now everyone's kind of like legally mandated to read it when they're kids. I think that's what happened. Like yeah, no, the law was passed. So, so over, uh, overall, my my and I, oh, sorry, we don't do this yet. Trying to end the podcast, Andy. <laughs> no, I just I was gonna give my I guess I kind of gave what my feelings on this movie, but I, I think I'll go into that more in depth. We'll um, definitely be comparing both of these movies. So, do you want to jump into um? I want to take a quick break, if that's okay with you. Centuries ago, a legendary treasure was buried on a remote island. And there's only one living soul daring enough to find it. Hello, everyone. Captain Abraham Smollett is taking command. 
This voyage has begun. To wherever the wind may take us. Hurry, Rizzo! I'm going as fast as I can. But there's trouble afoot. Beware the one-legged man. <laughs> He's the one to fear. <gasps> Long John Silver. At your service. One leg, Jim. Count them one. Now, the captain is being pursued by pirates. Pirates? We're sailing for buried treasure. We're gonna be rich. We're gonna be dead. <laughs> Surrounded by danger. Terrific. Captured by crazed wild pigs and sacrificed hideously before a pagan altar. Are we lucky or what? And haunted by his past. Bonsoir, mes amis. Old girlfriend. We got cabin fever. We lost what sense we had. We got cabin fever. We're all going mad. Walt Disney Pictures presents from Jim Henson Productions, a classic tale of ships coming in. Who hired this crew? And luck running out. Get the treasure. Let's torture the rat. No more, Miss My Sky. Cool. Muppet Treasure Island. Uh, I'm starting to worry about this voyage. I'm trying to remember if our best episodes are the ones where we fight. <laughs> um, I, I will say that... Mm, I, let me practice a couple of words that I'm going to be saying a lot over the next God hour. God damn it. Piece of shit. Tim Curry. Is that his name? Is that his name? Did What'd I get his say? name right? I feel like I messed up his name. I just heard Curry. So as far as I'm concerned, yeah, it's great. Tim Curry. Yeah, that's it. Yes, it's Tim. Sucks. Tim Curry. Sucks. Bad. Not good. Wow. Not good. Mm-hmm. All right, I think I'm good. I think I've covered it. <laughs> anyway, starting next week, this is going to be I a think... solo podcast. Who's going solo? Are you going solo? Uh, that's the thing. I don't. I don't fucking know. I definitely would not be able to do a podcast by myself. I could. I could like do a one hour rant if I if I wanted to. But that's that's the thing. So could I. But it would be bad to listen to. It would w- without like right. somebody else reacting to it or calling me an asshole or something there's there's no point in my personal opinion muppet singing about the evils of man is one of the best things so this movie opens on a song i believe called dead men tell no tales in which Various Muppet animals and Muppet skeletons sing about how evil this crew is and how many people they killed to get this treasure. And then at the end of the song, Flint kills them. And this... So I I had two reactions to this scene. And my, my first reaction was, holy shit. I did not expect this to be a musical. Oh, Andy, have you not I, watched I a why. Muppet movie before? I didn't expect it. I've never seen a Muppet movie before. I think this is like my first none one. of them. I'm trying to decide if you should have been eased into the Muppet verse. 
Yeah, probably. I probably would have reacted to a lot of this better if I was. But, um... But, well, here we are. I I, I was kind of just like... You didn't like, realize Ooh. this was going to be a musical. Yeah, I was like, oh, this is going to be a musical. Yeah, mm-hmm. so and that, that kind of shot. That took a bit of adjusting. I But but also, I, I really I really do like this scene. I, the uh, the incorporation of the, the skeletons and the the animals singing about these awful things that are happening. I, I feel mm-hmm. like that's a good framing device. And I... It made me, I feel like it made me, I don't know, I, it, it, this, this scene to me is very different from what the movie ends up becoming, because it's kind of scary. Okay, well, we'll get into that. But what this does, which is something I sort of mentioned in the, at the end of the other movie, is it immediately establishes death as a very real, very big thing, which I was surprised by, because it's been a long time since I've seen this movie, and, like, it fades to black when the people are shot, but it opens with a pirate shooting his entire crew. <laughs> and that is so much, uh... It's, it's a strong kind of... opening. It, it reminded yes, me of, um... the opening to Pirates of the Caribbean. It's been a while. Oh, yeah. That's right. Where there's the destroyed ship and the the... And, and and the 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 orphan kid and all that yeah yeah because it, it feels like it immediately gives you stakes even though you're right those stakes are not really followed through because it's a muppet movie but it establishes a level of danger. a level of a level of yeah a level of danger it's a level of danger that was never really established in the last in in the um in the Treasure Planet version. And what it, what it makes me think of is the difference between watching, like, The Lion King and watching a Saturday morning cartoon. Because, at least when I was a kid, when you watch a Saturday morning cartoon, for some fucking reason, they would never say anything about death in it. And if it was translated from a Japanese yeah. cartoon, they would cut out all the stuff about death from the original Japanese one. But then, like, Disney movies, which all kids watch anyway, all have stakes in death. And we've talked yeah. about, that's a conversation that we've had before. But it's it's kind of something that's important to me, because that's one of the things I grew up with when I was watching uh, watching all that stuff as a kid. Yeah, and it's kind of, but, but, but I, I feel like this scene setting the danger level so high kind of shows one of my bigger problems with this movie, which is that the... This scene has a the movie has a serious tone problem. It doesn't know sometimes like it, it it's like there are certain scenes where they forget that oh shit this is a movie for kids we kind of have to dial this back a bit. Huh. Oof. Okay, I think. Mm. And a, a lot of a lot of that feels a lot of that feels like it's supposed to be funny, but all I get from it is they didn't know what the fuck they were trying to do with this movie. That's just kind of how Muppet movies are. Uh, this is something that is very true in, um, The Muppet Christmas Carol, which is a surprisingly dark movie, uh, in some scenes, and then an extremely light movie in other scenes. And that's one of the things I actually like, uh, about Muppet retellings of stuff, that they're kind of able to toe that line. But I guess I can understand why, uh, why it would turn you off. So, we meet Jim. He is working at an inn with Gonzo and Rizzo. And 
Gonzo and Rizzo in their first scene kind of show what makes a good uh, good Muppet movie. So in a lot of early Muppet movies, in all the early Muppet movies, it would be about the Muppets and human characters would sort of have walk-on roles. Okay, so you get the big characters to like say three. You get the same. You get the big actors of the time to say three lines in the Muppet movie, and everybody would love that. And then the Muppets would take Manhattan or whatever it is they're doing at that point. And in this sort of this this I believe happened just after Jim Davis died. No, uh, Jim Henson. Henson. Jim Henson. Jim Davis. Crikey! Right after Jim Henson died. Is they sort of, I believe it's Right after Sun the writer this. of Garfield passed yep. away. God, the world would be a better place if Jim Davis died instead of Jim Henson. I'm not going to argue that. And Garfield would still be in papers. Uh, <laughs> right after right after Jim Henson died, I believe his son uh, decided to kind of shift it. So now, if you watch a Muppet movie, although not now anymore because the Muppets have changed again. For a while, when you watched a Muppet movie, the Muppets would not be the main character. The Muppets would be the side characters. Mm -hmm. So Jim and Long John Silver are both played by humans. And everybody else who needs to be a character, like a a big character somehow, is played by a Muppet. So Gonzo and Rizzo are... They're sort of... They have a stake in in the plot, but they're sort of... They're sort of the, uh, like how usually the main character is the audience's way in. They're sort of the Muppets' way into this plot. They're sort of how the Muppets are tangentially connected to this plot. The innkeeper, who does not appear to be anyone's mother in this version. No, she's just kind of a... Is, I think, a Monty Python character. (laughs) Like, she looks like she just walked off of the set of, of a Monty Python skit and just waltzed into this movie. I don't precisely know what they were going for. Not Possibly sure she did? I don't I don't get it, but it because I felt like maybe I didn't understand whatever they were trying to reference. This is the this is the version that I have so that I had so many lines that I liked that I started to write them down. One of them is when they're all putting out the lamps so that they can go to bed. Jim says, I hate my life. Gonzo says, I hate your life too. And Rizzo says, if I had a life, I'd hate it. And I just enjoyed that. It was just just nice. In this version, and in the original version, is it Dr. Bones or Mr. Bones? Uh, It's just Bones. Bones? So, Bones. Bones has been hanging around at this imp for a long time, getting drunk and yelling about Flint and all the people he killed and all the treasure he hid. Uh, And the secret reason for this is that Bones has been hiding that treasure map from the rest of Flint's crew who is out to get him. And this, I thought, weirdly menacing blind Muppet walks in to give him... The black spot. That Muppet, mm-hmm. I think, was my favorite character in this whole movie that wasn't Tim Curry. Or, so it's or like Billy it's... Connolly, who I also loved. I didn't expect him to be in this movie. Uh, so I don't know if you recognized him, the, but you, I, I hope you did. But Billy Bones, 
uh-huh. is Dr. No, Montgomery I... Montgomery from the original live action uh, oh. Citizen Fortune Events movie. But yeah, they always get they always get big people to play the human characters, so I should have kept a better eye out. Yeah, he showed up and I was like, whoa, what the fuck? Billy Connolly? I love him. <laughs> and then I remembered, oh, he dies. Damn it, that kind of sucks. So yeah, I thought the blind Muppet was weirdly menacing, and there was, he has this sort of, he has this sort of Muppet moment where he's just a blind guy running into stuff, but at the same time is really creepy. <laughs> and I, I rather enjoyed that. So he gives the black spot to Billy, to mm-hmm. Billy Bones, freaks the fuck out. Because he knows that this means that the crew's coming to kill him. And so he goes to start packing his things, gives the map to Jim, dies. Of a heart attack. Of a heart attack. Which is, I believe, what happens in the book. Yes. I believe he gets to the black spot and dies of shock. Or a heart attack or whatever. Here's the thing. That death scene was hilarious. Are you gonna are you gonna say something else? Do you uh, did you not think it was hilarious? And a lot of the jokes in this movie just don't land for me. Like, the yeah. timing is just weird, or it's too long. I felt like, like, like at the beginning of the scene, I was like, oh, this is this is pretty funny. And then I think after <laughs> the, the second time, I was like, okay, I get it. You can stop now, please. See, I thought, I thought it was funny. I also, I also like how somebody just died. But this is not the part of the movie that's supposed to be dark. And so their reaction to it is to scream and run away which sort of makes sense because i don't think any of these characters are not supposed to be children yeah but it also it also to me just felt pretty funny and then the and then the same scene happens as in as in uh as in treasure planet which is the pirates burst in they start destroying the uh the inn the the kids end up escaping and leaving and uh, for a well, the kids end up escaping about what's going to happen to Whoa, the kids end up escaping, but, but, see, you might not pick up on this stuff because I watch way more Muppet stuff than you do. As has to happen in a Muppet movie, a Muppet must accidentally win. So, uh, I believe it is Gonzo and Rizzo end up spilling black powder everywhere while trying to load the gun. Oh, yeah, right. And they are actually the ones who are responsible for blowing up the inn. Mrs. What's-Her-Face. Yeah, actually, you were going on with that, so why don't you tell this bit? But yeah, the, they, they briefly try to check up. They, they like briefly kind of wonder, uh, what happened to Miss... Is she still called Miss Hawkins? Sure, maybe. Probably it, not. It'd be know. weird if she was called Miss Hawkins. Oh, Miss Blubberidge. Okay, see, that sounds like a Monty Python yeah, why character. Did they, why didn't they just make, make her the mom? Oh, whatever. But they briefly, like, worry for her safety, and then she, like, bursts through the wall like the Kool-Aid man. Yes. Carrying two, at, like, at least two Muppet pirates and beating the ever-loving like, shit, shit out, out of them. them. And being like, well, I'm fine. That that also felt a little bit gratuitous. <laughs> but I think it's because I didn't understand what the hell that character was supposed to be. Yeah, that's, I feel, I, that, that, that feeling you feel is me for most of this movie and i and i think i i'm kind of realizing what it is about this movie that didn't land with me it's that you hate muppets because you don't like fun i don't hate the muppets i can't hate the muppets because i didn't it's because i didn't grow up with the muppets the closest thing i grew up with that was the muppets was sesame street which is very different from what what this movie is 
I was going to say, it's not very different from, well, early Sesame Street. I'll send you some Cookie Monster clips. It's fine. So they go and find Fozzie the Bear, who has a different name, but I can't remember any of their character names. Basically, he fills in for Dog Fraser. Yeah, Squire Trelawney. As the, uh, he, is, he is the bumbling son of a ship something? Shipbuilder? Anyway, he's rich as fuck and also stupid and possibly crazy because he talks to the little man in his finger. And he is the one who hires, you know, the crew of pirates. And everybody else. And, um... And then we get to the boat, and we meet... Mr. Arrow. Yeah, okay, yes. First, Mr. Mister Arrow, who is played by Sam the Eagle, which I love because in every version of this story that I've heard, Mr. Arrow is so, like, perfectly straight-laced and tough, and... Here's the thing that you need to understand about watching a Muppet movie. If you go to see a Muppet movie, it's because you have a favorite Muppet. And nobody's favorite Muppet is Sam the Eagle. And the reason is not that he's a bad Muppet, it's that he's always the straight man, and so it's really hard to make him into a character. And it was interesting, because it's basically... You know, it it was interesting to see Sam the Eagle as a character other than Sam the Eagle. That's I, I really enjoyed Sam the Eagle, now that I know what his name is. I really enjoyed Mr. Arrow because I think he was the only Muppet in this movie whose jokes landed 100% of the time with me. <laughs> like, like the first joke that, that, that the movie had that I was like, that's fucking hilarious, is, uh, is Mr. Arrow describing Captain Smollett as this, like, like, he is the toughest captain I've ever met, a fearsome man. I root, I, you, you will all fear the day that you get on his bad side. To this day, I lie awake with nightmares of the things that he's done to crew who haven't believed him. And I was like, ooh, I can't wait to meet this character. And then it's just Kermit the Frog. And I was like, and oh, Kerm- this is the funniest the fucking yeah. thing. <laughs> like, that's a good joke. I really enjoyed that. Well, yeah, and I, I like that. And I also like um, every time Kermit tells him to do something... It gives him an order, and he gives out the order in a way more violent fashion. And then he says, oh, I was paraphrasing. Or, I was anticipating your needs, Captain. I think he's the only Muppet whose jokes the entire time, the entire movie, I was like, this this is great. And I, I really missed it when he left for half of the movie. Oh, but I enjoyed that, because he comes back. Oh, well, yeah, him coming Arrow back has is to another die fantastic joke. I have down here that we meet Tim John Silver, which is... Long John Silver, played by Tim Curry. And the thing is, with Tim Curry in a movie, you basically immediately know he's evil, and also immediately know that you're gonna like him. Uh, which, as far as I can tell, is perfect casting. Yeah, what I was going to say is, is the other big thing about Tim Curry is that when Tim Curry shows up, the the movie is about him now. And that's that is... Like, both to this movie's detriment, but also it's saving grace for me. I don't know. I don't think it's too bad, because I think that, um... I think that was true of the last movie, too. So much of it was just about Long John Silver. I mean, he was half 
of this of this duo that needed to go through a big change before the end of the movie. I don't know, I enjoyed it. But you know what? I'll I'll enjoy basically anything Tim Curry's in. Yeah, same. I he he's he's a very despite his evil composure, he's one of the most charismatic people in Hollywood. So yes, Kurt, Captain Kermit shows up. They do roll call, which I suspect is a group of jokes that you started to like and then went on too long. Yeah. Yep. But I do like old Tom, real old Tom, dead Tom. Dead Tom is a, dead Tom. I think was where I was like, and this is where the joke should end. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They they go on like a little bit too far with that one. I'll agree with that. There's a really good line because Kermit finds out that Long John Silver was the one who recommended this crew, and he does not. You know, he doesn't trust them as far as he can throw them. And Tim Curry says. You could sail to he- heaven and back with these men. Like, he starts to say hell, stops, and says heaven. <laughs> I fucking love that. So his lines are written almost perfectly. Yeah, I think I think one of my favorite things about this movie is Tim Curry looks like he's having a good time. Which... Andy, let me tell you a secret. Every celebrity secretly wants to be in a Muppet movie. This the only reason to be a celebrity as far as I can tell. <laughs> well, I was I was going to say, because it feels like every other grown man actor in this movie is not having a great time. They all look exhausted. Yeah, but I think they're supposed to, because they're pirates. Uh, it's just it's it really bothers me though to see these like grown men actors not looking like they're having fun when this is supposed to be like a movie for kids. And kids pick up on that stuff usually. But, like, mm. like, the only person who really feels like he's having a great time is Tim Curry. And, like, I if don't give so. a shit about the kid, so. I mean, he looks like he's having a pretty good time. I don't care. I don't care about Jim okay. in this movie. I don't care about Jim in this movie. Like, Well, then you're fucking wrong, Andy, because here's the thing. Jim in the other movie is such a whiny bitch. He, whiny bitch? He spends the whole yeah, he's movie a whiny trying bitch. to prove himself. What does Jim in this movie do other than occasionally sing and make bad decisions? What do you... Jim in the other movie is the one that makes all the bad fucking decisions. What bad decisions does he make? He trusts Long John Silver. He doesn't he trust leaves Long the map John Silver. Behind. That's the whole thing. He doesn't leave the map behind. As far as he's concerned, he brought the map with him. It's fucking that was a mistake that because he left the map behind. Okay, we're gonna uh, we're gonna keep going, and we will get back to whether you know what, <laughs> motherfucker, Andy. Sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, go on, uh, please. I'm so interested. I'm gonna fucking murder you. I know. <laughs> uh, okay. Oh, come on, please keep going. Treasure Island happens. Yeah, they get there. <laughs> I have so few notes for this movie because I. Because it was exactly the same as the last movie, except with different jokes. Uh, here's another joke that this movie fucking does that I fucking hated that went on too long. The the rat cruise ship thing. I can see that. I wasn't I wasn't blown away by it, but it was um it makes sense as a as a character choice as far as like because Muppet movies always kind of break the fourth wall. And I felt like that's what they were going for with that, but it um yeah. so like occasionally when things will start getting getting really intense. They'll like show the rats enjoying their cruise, because Rizzo sells really Rizzo sells tickets to other rats. Okay, you can you, you're allowed to 
I think hating it is a bit strong, but okay. Well, the, okay, so, so I kind because, of I kind of nothing that joke because well, the the reason I hate it is because it takes up so much of the movie. Like every every other scene, there's like a small snippet of oh, and also by the way, just we really want to shove this subplot into your face. There are some rats that are here on a cruise too because why not? Because why not? But why it it takes away from so many scenes in the movie because it's like this dramatic thing happens, pan down to rats on a tour. Like I don't I don't know why I hated it so much. I think it's just because it kept coming back, and every time it came back, I was like, oh, this shit again. A couple of the pirates, including Polly, who is a lobster in this, for reasons not quite clear to me, because they definitely could have made a parrot. Oh, I remember reading about why they didn't make it a parrot, and I don't. Okay, you keep it's... going. I'll find it. So, a bunch of the pirates kidnap Rizzo and Gonzo and torture them. And this, I think the main reason that Rizzo and Gonzo are these characters in this movie is so that nobody tries to torture Jim, because that would be pretty fucking dark. But instead, they get a, you get a much lighter torture scene. And they end up in the brig. And that can, that, that is, that is important. As light as a torture scene can be, I think. I would say that this is the lightest torture scene I've ever seen. No, I, I, I'm, I'm willing to go on a limb and say that this is the lightest a torture scene can ever be ever. Interesting. Okay. You know what? I believe you. Just because it's, it's weird watching a bunch of Muppets torture other Muppets. Or try to torture other Muppets. Yeah, well, they're, they're doing a real bad job of it, is the thing. I'm surprised that you didn't know this was a musical, because I feel like the next song... I've I've seen it pop up every once in a while because of um people who were kids in the nineties discovering it again. And that is um mm-hmm. Cabin Fever. And it is a weirdly psychedelic song about losing your mind at sea because they haven't moved in like three weeks. Yeah. Yeah, I I really didn't like that sequence either. <laughs> I, here's the thing, I don't particularly like it either, but a lot of people do. So it, um, it's somebody's cup of tea. Yeah, it, there are, there are a lot of scenes in this movie that feel like a waste of time, but I think that entire sequence to me is like, you could have cut that. That didn't need to be there. Well, they put it in there because they wanted it to be there. Like, it was obviously an added scene. Yeah. By the way, I found the, uh, the reason why it's a lobster. Okay. So... They originally had a female parrot who flirted with Silver, but according to uh, Brian Henson, the director, that got too weird. (laughs) Which, I don't know what that means. I'm going to take it to mean that Tim Curry was a little too convincing at flirting with a Muppet parrot. Fuck. I wonder if there is a deleted scene somewhere. I'm, I'm, I'm Googling it right now. I I so want this to be a reality. Oh my god, and her name was Amazonia. Okay, apparently there's there is no there is no photos or video of this, but I do have a quote. Oh, okay, let's hear it. It was a, a quote by uh, one of the screenwriters and it was she and Long John developed a strange ephemeral romantic relationship. It got very weird. Eventually it got too weird. Amazonia was sent to the home for unused characters. Ah, oh, that is. So yeah, that so is the reason it's not a parrot. A crime is because apparently uh, having Tim Curry hit on a sultry female parrot was too far. Disagree. Not far enough. <laughs> Although it's possible. You know what though? 
I wouldn't want... I'll say this. Jim is played by quite a young actor. And even though I think this kid's pretty good for a child actor... Yeah. The entire Jim uh, Long John... The entire Jim-Silver relationship is pretty much Tim Curry putting the energy into it because he's the he, he's the better actor. And I kind of wouldn't want him to have any kind of secondary relationship, even if it's just flirting with a Muppet parrot, because I feel like that would take away from the story. Anyway. Well, I mean, I, I wouldn't mind it if only because the problem with Tim Curry being the only character that puts in all the work is you get to this point in the movie... I did not say he's the only character that puts in all the work. How fucking dare you? Oh, I'm sorry. Is that not? That's, I clearly heard you say that. Everyone else is just phoning it in. Sorry, that was too mean. Do you know? But I will how say, hard those puppeteers work. No, I I do actually. I watched a, a documentary about uh, Muppets puppeteering in on Sesame Street and how fucking exhausting it is. But I but I will say this is that is that you get you have this weird thing where it feels like Long John Silver is trying really hard to connect with this kid and this kid just doesn't give a shit. You didn't like the uh the finding the North Star thing? I didn't what? Oh god, that scene. Yeah, no, that was alright. But again, it just feels like a, a dude trying to connect with the younger generation and just Well, no, I'm it's going just to not happening. It's just not I'm probably, happening. I'm, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna touch on that at the end, I think. Cause I'll say I'll tell you what, the father son relationship in the in Treasure Planet is definitely more defined. It's definitely stronger. It definitely goes somewhere. But I will tell you what I think of it at the very end, because I think this version of it culminates at the end of the movie. And I want to talk about it then. Yeah, um, I, I know what you're talking about. The biggest difference between Long John Silver in this movie and in the other movie is that Long John Silver gets by purely on charisma. And crutches. He has... he. <laughs> Piece of shit. Piece of shit. But that is but that is what I mean. Like I said, Long John Silver in the other movie is fucking crazy powerful and scary because he has a laser eye and a gun attached to his hand. Um but Long John Silver in this movie has one leg. Yeah, I feel like I he feel manages like... to talk Mr. Arrow into testing out one of the boats because you know, in the past... Rowing it out into open sea, which is... Rowing out into open sea, which kind of tells you something about where Arrow is on his priorities. Because if he is told something is unsafe, he will make sure it's not unsafe. In doing so, compromising his own safety. Which I, which is kind of fascinating. And the thing is, Long John Silver knew that. And was able to get him to do it. And then he got the keys to release his flunkies from the brig so that they could uh so that they could have their um what's it you know their what's it mutiny the thing is just like in the just like in the last uh just just like in just like in treasure planet jim learns about the mutiny mm-hmm. he goes and tells the captain though and a fight never breaks out between the pirates and the rest instead and i don't know if this happened in the book but it's pretty clever 
Instead, Kermit decides to let them all go ashore first. And he says they'll they'll follow him after they've like set everything up. And one of the pirates tells Long John that they're practically giving him the treasure on a silver platter. And he turns toward him and says, never trust a silver platter. And then kidnaps Jim. And it is fucking perfect. Because one, I love that line. I googled it and nobody else has said that line. Uh, And two, that was a really clever idea to send the pirates on shore, wait a year, come back, and then they'll still get the treasure and the pirates will be, you know, either dead or just happy to see a boat. And, uh, And Silver immediately turns that on its head. And suddenly he's in power again because he has kidnapped this small child. And then Tim Curry gets a pirate song. I did write down in capital letters, I live for this shit. So why don't you tell me what you thought of his pirate song? <laughs> Before I talk to you about the pirate song, which I love. Okay. okay. I would have hung up this call. Sorry? If you had said, no, nah, I wasn't into it. Yeah, no, that, uh, if I had just come back in, the song sucked, Tony. It was the worst one in the movie. No, no, that song was amazing. Like, fucking, like, again, Tim Curry just owns that entire scene in a way that, like, I don't, it cannot be paralleled by any of the other songs in the movie. Like, he just, like, it manages to be both, like, again, both charming and intimidating and frightening, despite the fact that he is a man on a crutch. Like, what, like, like, it, this is really a testament to Tim Curry just being a, a good actor. Yeah, it is, it is playing off of, of of his strength as an actor as an to actor. be intimidating intimidating yeah. but still charismatic and, and it, i think i think one of one of the things one of my problems with with long john silver in this movie is he is visibly a manipulative smart bastard and that makes his it 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 really makes his relationship with jim kind of feel even more like like i'm only trying to get in with this kid well that's a bad choice of words I'm only trying to earn the trust of this kid because I know I have something to gain from him. But the thing is, is like the the silver's like flip flop between like trying to make Jim like him and being this intimidating, frightening man happens so quickly that all I can think of is like this guy is a very abusive father figure. I kind of enjoy this version more, and the reason is for that, actually for that same reason, is in the, in Treasure Planet, it's always, it's perfectly spelled out exactly what Silver wants. To the, to the point where they're, they take away the idea that there's any doubt that he's a pirate. I mean, really, we've all seen this movie a million times before. We've heard this story a million times. We know he's a pirate. But in the story, you're not supposed to know for sure he's a pirate, even though you're pretty sure he is because he is a seafaring man with one leg. So they immediately take that away in Treasure Planet. So you know he's a pirate, you know he wants the treasure, and you know he likes Jim. And so in this version, he you're you don't immediate you're not immediately told that he's a pirate. And at the same time, you're not immediately sure what he feels about Jim. And because this is such a big facet of his character, the the mystery there, it's not until the end, which I will fucking get to, that I feel like we get 
the full scope of who he is as a person. And, and and again, and like the reason I find this problematic isn't because of the performance or the writing. It's good writing. It's a good performance. It's it's because when when taken into context with how the rest of this movie plays out, it's it, I don't know. It feels like it feels like it it wasn't allowed to be heavy enough for me to care about the mystery, but it also wasn't light enough to fit in with the rest of the movie's tone. And like 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 I would have rather I would have enjoyed this interpretation of the character played by Tim Curry if they were if they allowed if they allowed him to go darker in the darker scenes and and be more menacing. And again, you can't you can't let Tim Curry do that though because Tim Curry can get really menacing. The thing is this this whole story is never supposed to be that dark. And it's sort of I I wonder if cuz I've never actually read this book. I wonder if that was if this is ever a problem that is uh that you feel in the original story because it is a story about pirates and death and murder and stuff, but it's also like a very the Tom Sawyer adventure bullshit the kid always gets the the kid wins in the end. The kid goes out to find treasure and finds treasure. I um, if I remember so correctly, I, he doesn't. No, like he finds the treasure, but he doesn't. Br- he doesn't bring all of it back. He only brings enough back to like rebuild the inn. Okay, that makes sense. I mean that tracks. So okay, so Tim Curry gets a pirate song. It's a fucking great pirate song. He is at one point picked up by like two pirates and the big hairy Muppet whose name I can't remember. And it's just, it's just great. And, uh, he convinces Jim to sort of lead their expedition. He says, I find this interesting because he says, we're going to need your compass. Earlier in the movie, not only, okay, not only do all these pirates definitely have a compass because they're pirates, Hmm. but earlier in the movie, Tim Curry tells us that you don't need a compass because he knows where all the stars are. So what this whole scene is, is he's trying to convince Jim to be on their side because he wants Jim to be on their side, not because he actually needs the kid's compass. And then in the end, he does say, you know, if he, he says something like, if you don't give it, we'll take it or or something like that, something along those lines. So it it, it is, he does strong arm and in, into it, but he's got Jim with him now. And yeah. they go, they go searching for Flint's treasure. And here's the thing: I gotta say that I buy Flint's trail of bloodshed way more than I buy his weird robot sidekick. Cause the thing that really bothered me about Ben in the last movie is no fucking way this crazy evil pirate put up with this stupid ass robot, right? But that's the thing, though, is he obviously did in the context of the story, and it makes you kind of wonder what kind of a person Flint was. My idea is that he built Ben, like, a la Anakin Skywalker building C-3PO. I, was, I knew you were going to fucking say Anakin Skywalker and C-3PO. Good lord. I really want to talk about Although Star that's Wars. probably just because I just listened to the Weird Al song. <laughs> well, I know he built C-3PO and I... Yeah, so uh, Flint's got a trail of bloodshed. Meanwhile, the others uh, go to shore to try to get Jim back. Yeah. And they end up running into Benjamina, played by Miss Piggy. Mm-hmm. Because it turns out that in between dating Kermit, in the, the, after Kermit left her at the altar, uh, which I think is more or less a reference to, like, other Muppet movies, because um, 
Muppet, Muppet movies sort of have a will they won't but won't they with Kermit and Miss Piggy? Yeah. And then one of them, I think they get married or almost get married or something. I can't remember. I wonder if it's supposed to be a reference to that or if it's just supposed to be sort of a joke thrown in there because they say cold feet. So they get captured by natives. Here's the thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Here's the thing. The thing is mm-hmm. that yeah. the Treasure Island book mm-hmm. almost definitely had really racist depictions of whatever native tribe would be in uh, on this island. And I wasn't quite sure how I felt about it because their version of that was was just pigs. I was like pigs with spears. Yeah. And like shit in their noses. But it was like, is anybody going to get offended by a pig uh, going ooga chaka ooga chaka? Like, so, that's what I'm wondering. I'm wondering at what point, because it's not like, it's not like fucking Peter Pan. And it's, it's not like Pocahontas. So. It would be a little bit closer to Peter Pan, but. So, I don't know. I couldn't figure this out, like, looking at it, trying to figure out how problematic it was. One, I I'm, I don't think there were any native islanders in the original Treasure Island. Are you sure? If I remember correctly, the, a big plot point is the fact that Ben Gunn was marooned on the island, and he was alone mm-hmm. for so long that, it, that he kind of went crazy. No, there, there. It says angry, na- angry natives. I don't. Yeah, I don't remember the tr- them being there on the Treasure Island Wikipedia page. It probably wasn't a. It probably wasn't a huge. Um, they probably weren't a huge deal in the book. But anyway, I, I did have a big problem with it in this movie, though. And, and like I said, like yeah, the thing about Treasure Island, the book, is that that book was written in fucking eighteen eighty three. Did I tell you that I read Tarzan? Oh, I'm sorry. Oof. I I, I was reading Tarzan, and I was like, oh, this is interesting because it's like a weird, it's like a weird look back into history about how this person thought one animals work yeah. to how the blood of a lord works. Three women for. black people uh five the natives and it's like is so terrible and i was do you know i stopped reading it yeah i did i remember you i remember talking about it with you for uh, a while back okay because i was i was reading it and i was like oh this is interesting then i stopped reading it because the election happened i was like "Hey, hey all this archaic stuff about like the word negress which i did not know was a word is no longer funny and kind of terrifying so yeah. I put it down. Yep. Like that. The thing is, is you go far back enough, and you start reading these old books, and that shit is there. And but but mm-hmm. the thing is, is I think my biggest problem with the depiction in Muppet Treasure Island is it didn't very like again like the way that this story, this the, the way that this is written, it didn't have to be there. It yeah, really didn't. There wasn't much use for it. Like, and and the other thing That's is, the is thing. there are there there are a lot of jokes that are just. Ha ha, let's laugh at these pigs because they're natives and look at how dumb they are. And that's where I had the problem. Are there? Yes. Uh, the the whole, like, we, we have you outnumbered. Oh, they have guns and we're scared of guns and, like, a bunch of other shit like that. Oh, And okay. it's like, and, and the thing, yeah. and, and, like, the entire time I was watching these scenes, I was just like, mm, shit, the 90s. Yeah, that's the thing. Oh, the 90s. But but the, but, but it's really harder the because the 90s were so close. Like it feels almost. All right, stop that. Yeah, 20 years. No. Okay, so I, I think I agree with you on this, uh, this, these native pig, this native pig thing. It's, uh... 
it's it's a little it's it's a bit problematic. Yeah, it's not the most racist and thing in the world, but it's problematic. It wasn't, and it, it that's the other thing. It wasn't quite long enough ago to really be easily forgivable. Yeah, it was. That's the thing. Eighteen eighty three. You can go, you can you can shrug yeah. your shoulders a bit and go, man, it must have really fucking sucked to be in eighteen eighty three. But nineteen ninety six. Oh my god, give me a sec. Pocahontas came out in nineteen ninety five. Yeah. Yeah, it's just it's not like again. It's like. I'm sorry, there's no excuse for that. You could have not done it. And the jokes, again, weren't even that funny. There's a point in this movie there where I'm pretty sure there's a real elephant. And I saw that and I thought, well, that's strange casting for a Muppet movie. Because I'm pretty sure they could have gotten a Muppet elephant. They definitely have like a Muppet woolly mammoth. They do. They do have Snuffleupagus. Although I think technically he can't be in a Muppet movie. No, because he's a Sesame Street character. But the technology yeah, is there is what I'm saying. Now. Yeah, that's the thing. There are different, and there are definitely elephant Muppets. It was just weird. There was real elephant. There's this great climactic moment where the pirates find the treasure, but there's no treasure. And so they all immediately turn on silver. And I love this moment because it is so tense and the emotion in this feels so much more real than anything that I felt in, again, Treasure Planet, where really the big twist ended up being everything's being destroyed so the final climactic thing was all kind of explosions this has a much yeah, much more the personal tension it has a much more personal tension it has a much slower build too jim runs away because um because long john tells him to we cut to the next scene where the goat muppet is saying dead tom's dead long john shot him and Here's the thing. The next thing somebody says is dead Tom was already dead. But if they hadn't said that, I think that would have been one of the best jokes in the movie. Yeah. See, it's, a, it's, it's again, like, I feel like the writers of this movie really don't know when to just, like, they're, sometimes you just got to put a joke out there and just let it be funny. Like, yes. let the joke be funny, yeah. at least for a little bit. <laughs> so I, I really like that you, so, so the scene right after that is one of the weirdest goddamn fucking scenes in this movie. I love, I think I'm going to say that. I love this next scene where they give Long John Silver uh, the black spot, it. and and like like Long like John Silver looks at him and he's like, "You ripped a page out of the holy manuscript." And I was like, "What the fuck is happening? What is this Charlie Brown Christmas ass bullshit that is happening in this movie right now?" I'll I'll fucking tell you what's happening, Andy. Long John Silver is he is saving his own ass. By the power of his pure charisma, he can't fight 20 pirates. But He's going to scare the ever-living shit out of them. But it's so weird to just, like, like all of this, like, like again, like, like it's hard enough, like, in Charlie Brown Christmas when Linus just walks out. But at, but at the end of the day... No, 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 no. Really? Wait, 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 really? Wait, 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 wait. You don't... I was just weirded out by it. Do me a favor. Do me a favor. Do me a favor. Do me a favor. Okay, okay. Take Charlie Brown Christmas... Put it under the table. All right. I can't, but okay. Put it aside. This played into, for me, so much of this weird dichotomy with... I don't know if this was true of pirates, but it's definitely true of, like, pirate legends. That, like, pirates are religious? Have you... Have you has this, like, not, not come to you at any point? This idea that uh-huh. pirates are like weirdly god fearing or at least like devil fearing the the to me pirates were always like, like yeah a pirate would be superstitious yeah but but the thing is is you could well, make 
you could make that joke without bringing like the the holy bible and god and a, and like that whole speech into it i don't know it just weirded me out like i did like again like it was one of those things I, that this movie did that i was not expecting kind of came out of nowhere for me and i was like um is this okay See, that's why I loved it. I love that immediately, again, about to die, Tim Curry suddenly goes fire and brimstone, and everybody around him buys it. Don't like, that's wrong. my favorite part. Mm-hmm. It's great. It's funny, and it works. It's just it's just weird to me, and I can't tell you why. I don't know what about it is weird to me. I think it's just... I think it comes out of left field. I think it comes out of left field, and it's so specifically about the the Bible, and I'm just like... Ugh, what? Why, why now? Okay. Why this? Like they they could have easily. I think done he was the... playing the only card he was dealt. Yeah, but I feel like again they could have like again they, th- this movie was written by people. I feel like people could have written this movie so that you could have gotten the same effect without it being the Bible. Absolutely, do not. I don't think there is a way to get that same effect because part of it is disbelief on the viewer's part. Because I feel like some of the power of that scene is you saying, this isn't working, right? And then it works. And I think that's supposed to be his strength in the movie is being able to talk his way out of anything. But here's the thing, right? Is I know that there is a way to do it because there's a very similar scene in Pirates of the Caribbean. Is there? Yes, there is. In fact, the whole point about the whole thing that Jack Sparrow does is charisma his way through that whole fucking movie. It's like they watched Muppet Treasure Island and went, let's take this character and make him the protagonist. But when Jack Sparrow does that, he usually has some kind of leverage, something that the other person wants. A jar of dirt. Guess what's inside it, Andy? (laughs) (laughs) It's just, it was weird to me, alright? Like, I just, ugh. It's it's weird to me that you take that that you take such such exception to it. I thought it was one of the best scenes in the movie. I don't know. Okay. No, and, and don't get me wrong. The scene, like again, it's one of like Tim Curry. It's one of the funniest scenes in the movie. It just weirded me out because it, it it just feels like it comes out of nowhere. Yeah, I get oh, that. Going okay. back then, actually, no, going back, going back. Okay. Uh, Mr. Arrow's funeral we'll was another kind of super weird moment i don't remember mr arrow's funeral yeah like they have a whole uh a whole thing where they like like commemorate his passing and i was like this is a little i mm, weird why is this weird why am i weirded out by this but that scene was a lot shorter i don't i don't really remember that scene i'm I'm mad i didn't make note of it speaking of which so jim meets up with gonzo and rizzo with Gonzo and Rizzo. Yes. Yes, he does. Kermit and Miss Piggy are off on their own right now. So he, they're going to, they need to go get reinforcements, but there's like no fucking way. They don't have the lifeboats anymore. The lifeboats have been destroyed. And then, so I don't think in, 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 as a general rule, I think the finality of death is important in movies, but I feel like the return of Mr. Arrow in Muppet Treasure Island is the most earned resurrection scene I have ever seen. <laughs> Definitely. Because it's exactly when you need him. You never really see him die. And he just shows up like, oh, by the way, I don't think we should trust that silver fellow. That I think that line is the only line in the movie that made me laugh out loud. And I was in my school library when I was watching this. So I got a couple oh, of angry stares. And I was like, mm, <laughs> shit. Damn you, movie. You got me. So they, um, 
Oh, and then then we cut to Long John Silver finding Piggy and Kermit because he figured out that she must have the treasure. And I don't want to start a conversation about whether or not Muppets is or isn't feminist because it has one female character and it's usually played by a dude, so I'm going to say probably not. But Long John Silver did capture Kermit to get to Miss Piggy. So, make of that what you will. Yeah, but then almost immediately later, it becomes a whole thing that Miss Piggy, like, apparently had an affair with Long John Silver. You know what? She is a strong, independent woman, and how dare you judge her? I don't. The movie does. Kermit does. Yeah, and she, like, immediately berates him for that. He left. God, I really wish I could break out into a spot-on Kermit impression, but it's it's one of the impressions I can't do. We all wish that, Andy. We all... I don't think we anyway, all I know a lot of people who can do a spot-on Kermit impression. Want to know... Want to know my favorite scene from this movie? And it's not because it's the best scene in the movie. Okay. It is because I fucking was not expecting it at all. Okay. It's when they get back on the... Um, they get back on the ship. They're outnumbered by pirates. But pirates are superstitious, so they come up with a plan. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Did you? Because literally when he... Uh, uh, guess what? Guess what's being edited in here at this moment? We don't even have to talk about it. The clip is going to be right here. I am the ghost of Samuel Arrow. Great. Perfect. Oh, and I think he says it like line for line too. <laughs> I am I'm ninety percent sure he says I am the ghost of, of Samuel Arrow. Oh man. Ugh. What a fucking great oh what a just Yeah, I, I was on I was on top of that too. I was like, yes, good. Like again, yeah. consistently Arrow being the only Muppet that I found to be very funny in a lot of unexpected ways. Yeah, that's the thing. Um again, Sam the Eagle is not usually the one delivering the jokes. But he fucking manages it in this movie. He, he carries a lot of it. Whatever Tim Curry isn't carrying, I feel like all rests on Mr. Arrow's shoulders. There's some interesting dissonance that I kind of like. So Kermit and Piggy are hanging upside down From off cliff. of a cliff. One of those classic pirate traps where there's fire under part of the rope so it's gonna burn, but they're gonna leave you up there for a few hours before it does. Pretty dick move. So they start singing a love song. Yeah. And during their love song, the pirates find the treasure. And I kind of like I kind of like that dissonance. I love at any point when there's a love song and then something dissonant. Out. Yeah, yeah. I, just, just something strange like finding a treasure happen because it's not what you expect but it happens and it works at the end of the scene they fall apparently to their deaths but statler and waldorf catch them and i haven't mentioned statler and waldorf because they didn't do anything in this movie now they don't do anything in any muppet movie because they're there to heckle everybody but they were the mastheads so they like super didn't have anything to do in this movie <laughs> <laughs> These two Muppets are, I think, the only Muppets I recognize that aren't Kermit and Miss Piggy by not what by name because I remember that they're they're supposed to be kind of a, a pastiche of those two movie critics. Oh, okay, that um, makes sense. Like they're like like down to how they bicker and how they talk. They're like uh like perfect parodies, and uh, I don't know why I know that, but I do. In a Christmas Carol, it's not a Christmas Carol. What's it called? Is it a Christmas Carol? A Christmas Carol? Yeah, the Muppet Christmas Carol. In the Muppet <laughs> Christmas Carol, they play Marley and Marley. Oh, nice. So they show up. They show up in chains. That's nice. To sing about how Scrooge is gonna be visited by ghosts, and it's fucking cool. But they don't have a lot to do in this movie. But they do end up saving Kermit and Miss Piggy, so that's. 
Yeah, point in their corner. Nice. So then we get into straight up goofy final battle scene where all yes. the all the Muppets are fighting against all the other Muppets. There's this weird, probably the weirdest throwaway line to payoff I have ever seen in a movie, which is Gonzo pulling starfish out of his pants and using them as throwing stars. Because in in some throwaway earlier line, he mentioned having starfish in his pants. Yeah, that's good. That's good. It's just. Yeah, it's just... I can appreciate that. Uh, I didn't... Yeah, it's... That that was another joke that didn't land for me. I didn't find it particularly funny. I kind of admire the amount of work put into it. Yeah, I admire the writing work that was put into it, but I really dislike that joke because, A, I dislike it whenever anybody, like, does ninja things while spouting nonsense. Because it's kind of... Because, again, again, you could do better. But, B... It's it's been done. Yeah, but but B, at the end, I think, uh, like, I don't know, it's just... Yeah, it's been done, and it's like, it's the 90s. You, there's no excuse at this point. Other... I feel like people were, I feel, I feel like people were still, uh... Well, yeah, no, again. It's still just, finishing that just, off in the 90s. Just because it was still happening doesn't mean there's an excuse. They were still beating that dead horse. Yeah, but yeah, there's of, a huge... Speaking of beating a dead horse, it's because this movie's still going. Hey! Sorry. How dare you. This movie feels so long. That's so weird to me. Okay, so they uh, they have this big final battle scene, which I think I think I don't. I feel like that battle scene is very I, like like to me was was where all of this was leading up to. In that I felt like a lot of the Muppets and setup and like the way the set was built was made for the Muppets to fight each other in a battle scene. Yeah, I think so. I think that's fair. Like it, I don't know. It felt, I think it, it was the most versatile use of the Muppets in this movie that, and I thought it was cool. Yeah, it, it definitely, it definitely felt that way. It felt like, um, this was the payoff that the whole movie was working toward having a big old scene where all the Muppets start fighting each other. And this movie delivers what no other movie dares, which is Tim Curry sword fighting with Kermit the Frog. One final thing about Long John Silver in this movie, and I guess particularly Tim Curry that I like, is Kermit basically kicks his ass, but he gets too cocky with it, and so he loses his sword, and then Tim Curry is about to kill him, and then every other character shows up, and it really feels like, at the end of the day, they needed every character in the movie to take down Long John Silver. And I, I kind of enjoyed that because again, he was able, he's able to get out of everything. And so wrapping up the movie, all the pirates are in the brig. They've got the treasure. They're going home. Long John Silver, again, this is a good, cause they never really explain how this happens in Treasure Planet. This is a good throwback payoff. Still has the keys from when he stole them from Arrow before. Yeah. So he uses those to get out, um, gets to a lifeboat and has a very, very powerful scene and i feel like this scene not only makes this movie but in my opinion informs why it is better than treasure planet because in treasure planet there's never a question as to whether jim's going to let uh silver go it feels more like he's seeing him off because because they had had this whole father-son thing the entire time and they had teamed up at the end to escape yeah and so of course he was gonna let him go because he was this great scoundrel that he knew and in this scene it really feels more like these two people who are ideal Logically opposed foes. What's happening is Jim is holding a whistle to his lips, ready to call everybody, wake everybody up, and Long John Silver has pointed a pistol at him. And it really feels like these two people who are on different, yeah, ideologically opposed, ideologically foes. opposed, on different sides of a team, but they both, they never had that great connection, but they kind of both acknowledge that they 
could have. And it feels like a moment where it's more of a swan song for what could have happened. And Silver one last time tells Jim to come with him. You know, Jim won't. Because, of course, he's not. And Jim has, like, way fewer daddy issues in this one. Possibly just because he's younger and he looks up to his dad and that's still an okay thing to do. Yeah, Jim's relationship to his father is more positive in this movie. It's mentioned that his dad was a sailor and that he was lost out at sea uh, with the Navy. And, that and like, obviously his dad had to have been a good person because he worked under uh, Kermit at some point. Because Kermit mentions at the end of the film that his father would be proud of Jim. That Jim's father would be proud of him. Silver is pointing the gun at Jim, and Jim is holding the whistle to his lips, and Silver lowers the gun because he knows he can't do it. Yeah, like he... And then Jim lowers the whistle because he's... Because at the end of the day... For some reason... He does He does like this guy. I honestly cannot believe that you need it spelled out for you, Andy. It's just... It's I cannot just... believe... I cannot believe that you don't like subtext. It's, it's not that it's subtext. There is no text. Because, uh, and unfortunately, it's because the this relationship dynamic is kind of one-sided because most of Jim's acting, like, like, acting power is going to this, like, weird subplot in the movie of, like, fucking... What What's their names? Uh, I can't believe I said Gonzo. fucking while we were talking about a Muppet movie. I was trying really hard not to. But yeah, Gonzo and You're Rizzo. A bad person. Not and him not getting along because he's hanging out with Long John Silver so much. And it's like 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 this kid is a good actor, but he just he didn't put in the time for there to be subtext. I like the scene. It's a fucking fantastic, powerful, amazing whoa, moment. Whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, I have. But at the end of the day, why? Why does like 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 I st- I don't get a feeling in my heart like why Jim cares so much? because it just kind of feels like he does because the script told him. To I care so much. I I do not understand how you can think that, especially because the stakes are higher. If if silver is brought back to england he is going to hang this isn't like just liking a guy out this is this is weighing somebody's life and you i feel like you have to really hate somebody before you decide to kill them and then on top of that i find it so weird i don't know how much text you need honestly because it's it it's, just, it's, it's a kid me. and somebody being a father figure to him i feel like that demands no, more from the father is his father figure yeah you know what that's actually true but that's the thing is kermit is jim's father figure what i get out of this scene is like again like sorry i keep wanting to call him tim curry or tim john sullivan like that's not his name john silver john silver has more at stake here because john silver cares for this kid which is why he can't call jim's bluff he can't shoot this kid because he like he can imagine a world in which like he like this kid is somebody he could have probably helped raise like he can imagine a world where he had a kid like this but all i get from jim is well he let me go this one time so i'm gonna return the favor mm-hmm. but i like again it just i feel like i'm getting so much more emotion out of tim curry and i feel like this is a very will smith in after earth moment oh don't you fucking dare fault. It's okay, not don't, Jim's don't, fault. Okay, first it's because off, Tim Curry is so off, charismatic. How dare you even watch After Earth and then bring it in here? This is a safe <laughs> place. I'm sorry. Yeah, you should be. I'm not sorry, though. It's true. That's how I feel. You know, you I can, feel. It's just you, Tim you Curry is... Tim Curry, like again, like Tim Curry is the strength, is the greatest strength and one of the biggest weaknesses that this movie has because he's such... Like, he's leagues ahead of all of the other human actors. Well, there's only, like... I mean, most... Yeah, him and Jim. Him and Jim. Everybody... 
the other human actors are extras. Like, they're there to pick him up during that one scene. And then they leave forever and it's only Muppets. <laughs> Bacchus, what do people come to the movie to see, Andy? Uh, it's not the people. It's not the story. Well, we've seen this story before. Don't even try to pretend like this story was worse than the last story. But that's the thing, is is, is this Muppet Treasure Island movie didn't try to be a Treasure Island movie. It just, it, it's a Muppet movie and then they slap Treasure Island on it because they already did Christmas Carol. Let's do something else from the 1800s. I cannot believe you. It I just, cannot believe you're fucking feels, sass right it, now. This is... It feels so empty to me. Like, like this could have just been a Muppet. Like, this could have been called Muppet Pirates. And then it would have just been Tim Curry and the Muppets Incorrect, being Incorrect, because fun. if it was and just, that, that if it was just Muppet Pirates, movie. what the fuck would be the point of getting Tim Curry on board? Uh, be, to have him sing with Muppets and have a good time. Incorrect. Again, That's I'm, crazy. I'm believing that this would be a better movie. Ugh. Just the Tim last Curry one just needed Muppets to be Space having... Pirates. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Okay. Wait, is, is, is Treasure Island just a bad Are story? We... I think Treasure Island is a... I think Treasure Island in its entirety is a fun wish fulfillment fantasy, but I think it's a bad story. It's a bad story because it's a story that's meant to be read to kids going to sleep mm. so that they can have cool dreams about having fun adventures, but it's not something that's worth sitting in a theater for. I could be wrong. Like maybe there's a Treasure Island movie out there that's like exciting and enticing and good, but I don't think either of these movies are that movie. I remember a Wishbone version, now, but I don't think it was good. I don't think Listen, I remember Wishbone fondly. I don't think any Wishbone adaptation of anything was good. Okay, but I mean, it did teach me about a Nazi, and then I was the only kid in class who knew who a Nazi was, so. Same. Same. A Nazi and, uh... Phantom of the Opera? There was a Phantom of the Opera one. There was a Phantom of the Opera one, and I hated it as a kid, and I hated it as an adult. That I, I hate that story more than this one. Okay. God, that live-action movie's a piece of shit. So, okay. <laughs> we're, we're not gonna watch that one. It's fine. I don't... Mm, we might. I no. don't know. This was a lot of fun. This was a lot of fun? You thought yelling at each other was yeah. a lot of fun? Okay. <laughs> I think this this was a lot of fun for me. I, I would like to do more of stuff like this, of two movies that are trying to do the same thing for God, that's gonna wildly be, different reasons. That's, that's going to be such a headache. I'm going to hate that. We'll probably do it quite a few times. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. I can't think off the top of my head of another pair of movies that would fit this bill so well, but I'm sure there's mm. like there's got to be more. Well, I'll, I'll find them. Oh, God. Um, I do I do want to say, though, I think I, I want to do maybe let's do our, our how we feel about this movie, and then I can do my rant that i have prepared um okay i enjoyed both movies i yeah they're both fun. i enjoyed mother treasure island way more i thought that it was i thought that it told the story much stronger you obviously disagree with me yeah i, I had i have a deeper connection i think with treasure planet i think that might be the long and short of it that that being said as much as i love treasure planet if i would if somebody came up to me and said like me and my five-year-old kid i want to show my five-year-old kid a treasure island movie i would definitely recommend muppet treasure island over treasure planet any day like my love of treasure planet i think stems more from its aesthetic than from its actual yeah treasure planet it 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 falls it falls kind of short in a few ways but one thing i do like about it is it is one of the only disney movies that uh that does try to find a father-son plot and stick with it they're also I don't think there's a Disney movie that does a mother-daughter plot very well, except 
arguably tangled, but that doesn't. I was going to that say that does it from say, such a weird angle since she is directly the villain, an abusive mother. Yeah, and it's fascinating, I, and I love her character as because I went in expecting not to believe in this character. Yeah, because I was like, no way can somebody raise a kid and still be the the big villain. But when she like basically treats her like you so, see mothers treat kids like that, it's rough. So so I because I, I remember us talking about this about the whole like like mother daughter really like how how in disney films characters tend to only have a parent or if they have both parents they will usually lose a parent yes and they'll usually have they'll usually have the parent of the opposite sex yeah and 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 i was i was thinking about like like what what did i kind of came to this conclusion that and 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 let me go for a while here because i have a lot to Mm -hmm. read and and it's that what what growing up means in a movie it, it isn't always healthy, but it but it's one of the most palpable things that you can display on a cinema is the relationship between an adult and a child. Disney animation deserves a lot of credit and criticism because so many of its stories are about are about a character growing up. And in a in a glamour interview, director Don Han, uh, he was talking about Maleficent at the time. So the the interviewer asked him, and I'm going to paraphrase our question here that um, Maleficent feels like one of the only Disney movies where you have a mother presence and was wondering why that is. And, and his answer is very interesting. And I'm going to read his whole thing. So he said, I'll give you two stories that are the reasons. I never talk about this, but I will. One reason is practical because movies are 80 or 90 minutes long and Disney films are about growing up. They're about that day in your life when you have to accept responsibility. Simba ran away from home but had to come back. In shorthand, it's much quicker to have a character grow up when you bump off their parents. Bambi's mother gets killed, so he has to grow up. Belle only has a father, but he gets lost, so she has to step into that position. It's a story shorthand. The other reason, and this is really odd, Walt Disney in the early 1940s, he was still living at his house, bought a house for his mother and father to move into. He had studio guys come over to fix their furnace. But when his mom and dad moved in, the furnace leaked and his mother passed away. The housekeeper came in the next morning, pulled his mother and father out onto the front lawn. His dad was sick and went to the hospital, but his mom died. And he never talked about it. Nobody talks about it. He never spoke about that time because he felt personally responsible. He had become so successful and he said, let me buy you a house. It's every kid's dream to buy their parents a house. And just through a strange freak of nature, through no fault of his own, the studio workers just didn't know what they were doing. There's a theory, and I'm not a psychologist, but he was really haunted by that. That the idea that he contributed to his mom's death was really tragic. If you dig, you can read about it. It's not a secret within the Walt Disney family. It's just a tragedy and it's really hard to talk about, but it helps to try to understand where he was when he was going into animation. I, I never knew this. Like that that's the end of the what he had to say about it. But I think I think a lot of why early Disney movies don't have these relationships is because Walt Disney, for so much of his life, wanted to be a kid and accidentally, like again, like he said through no faults of his own, put himself in a position where he made an adult decision and now he has to be an adult for the rest of his life. And maybe he and maybe he really wanted to show that in movies. And the reason that we do it today is because A, it's kind of a Disney legacy now, and B, it is a good way to have a character in a way that's shocking and immediate grow up. It's cheap. Not because it's bad, but because it's easy to do to a character. And and I kind of thinking about this and kind of mulling it over, I realized that like you can accept for a character to in a moment where they lose a parent, make a decision that is difficult and uncertain, but necessary. And that's what we imagine being an adult to be. Somebody who can make a difficult, uncertain, 
necessary decision. A simple, accessible definition, even if it's not always healthy. And I think one of the reasons why I really like Treasure Planet, and to an extent why I love all of Tim Curry and Jim's scenes in Treasure Island, is they try to capture how messy a role model can be, and how, how, how... like maybe what we need isn't a parental figure, but just somebody who is able to do the thing a parent does, which is believe in us to make the right decisions. I don't think Treasure Planet or Treasure Island succeed in doing this. They both have their own problems. I think Treasure Planet is bloated, underwritten, doesn't take advantage of its own setting. But but both of them really wanted to do something with this adventure story that has this very, like, hundreds of years old relationship between a father figure and a child. Like, I was thinking about this a lot since I watched both movies. Like, what what is it that makes Long John Silver and Jim Hawkins' relationship work so much? And I think, I think in a way, it kind of answers why Disney really, really kind of likes taking away parents. They don't like it, but why it happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's sorry. the thing man look what you did <laughs> sorry sorry it's just that was it's... that was really good um that was thank that you was just... really interesting and uh emotionally charged and we have to like fucking close the podcast now <laughs> yeah no, i'm sorry it's just like this is like i i i so so for people for our audience to know like i'm in i'm in the middle of finals right now and so uh in order to not think about my final today i skimmed through both movies really quick to remind myself of them and then just started digging really deep like trying to answer this problem because because at the end of the day like the reason both movies fail is mostly because of production shit yeah but I wanted to know why why the relationship between Long John Silver and Jim works, despite the fact that like Long John Silver is in both movies kind of a terrible person. Yeah. Maybe I should have done this in the middle. <laughs> On that cheery note, thank you for listening to Direct Video. I have been your host, Tony Robusto. And I have been your host, Andy Muppets, more like Suckets, Reyes. Alright. This guy. No? Is that too mean? Should I try harder? No, it's fine. Sorry, I'm just feeling like complete apathy now. Um <laughs> Oh, is it is it is it is it deep now? It's too ingrained. I should have laid off earlier so that this joke would have landed. Alright. Uh yeah, that's you, you, you know what I did you know what I did, Tony, is is I did this joke and then I took it too far okay. and too yep. long and it's not funny mm-hmm. anymore. Anyway, you can find the podcast <laughs> at directsu.video and you can find me at theaterbets on Twitter. Oh, and when I'm not being an asshole, you can find me on Twitter at royalty underscore balance. <laughs> Let's be fair, sometimes he's an asshole on Twitter too. This you is don't want to pigeonhole yourself Damn. there, Andy. I think it says on my Twitter bio that I'm an asshole, so hey. It's good to be honest with yourself. Yeah, you know. That's how you get jobs, right? Our outro music is a theme from Penguins on Parade by Lee Rosevere. So, you know. Yeah. That's that's nice. Go check their stuff out if you're if you're looking to start your own podcast like we did. So Tony, it's your turn now. What is it that you uh that you want to do next? What are you looking forward to? <laughs> you're not gonna like <laughs> it. <laughs> My so... body's prepared. There's a little bit of a backstory to this one. I don't remember this movie, but apparently my sisters, uh, just about every opportunity they got would rent it with my grandfather. So I must have seen it at least once. 
And I went to look it up, okay. and it is, in fact, a Walt Disney movie. Right. So that's... I'm worried. ...something. It is called Return to Oz. Do you know what this is? I have never heard of this. It is a 1985 is Wizard of Oz sequel. Oh, dear. Oh, yes. Oh, man. Don't, don't tell me I have to watch Wizard of Oz. All right, I won't tell you. I fucking hate that movie. Well, we'll get into that, too. <laughs> couldn't pay them at the end of the voyage i mean they were going to a treasure planet let me tell you something you 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 do not want to tell somebody hey i'll pay you after your work is done i don't know why don't you do this for the exposure i (laughs) know no no that's that's not what i meant (laughs) 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 ugh Okay, so th- th- let's go on with this movie. Um, 